You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Welcome to Fantasy Wildcard. I'm your host, Kev. You can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. With me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Matt. We can follow on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Evening, Matt. Evening, Kev. How are you doing? I'm very good, obviously. I watched the England game early on today. I'm trying not to get too over the top already, but it's coming home. Definitely. It's definitely coming home. Um, yeah, another warm day as well. If, if you're watching live, you can see I've relocated to <laughs> the coolest place in my house, which is the kitchen. So if the audio is any different, it's because I'm in a, a room that's slightly bigger than six foot by six foot. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, he's out of the cave tonight, folks. So a uh, new change <laughs> of scene for Matt. <laughs> and also with us tonight, we've got our co-host, Ali. We can follow on Twitter at FF Dynasty Grill. Good evening, Ali. Good evening, Kev. Good evening, everybody. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, very good. I think, obviously, we are running a little bit late, a couple of minutes behind. That's because Ali was crowd surfing at the pub after the England game. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're here now. We're ready, we're ready to roll. We've got an amazing guest on today. So um, I'll give you a little clue to who our guest is, actually. Let's dive in. <laughs> right, so we've uh, we've got the host of the Bulletproof Fantasy Football podcast, the producer of the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Rookie Guide, and the man behind the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Patreon. All the way from Saskatoon, Canada, we give a warm wildcard welcome. It is warm. To <laughs> Drew Osinchuk, who you can follow on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. Good evening, Drew. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, is it your first time on with some Brits? It is indeed, yeah. <laughs> we feel honoured. Very honoured. Yeah. West. <laughs> yeah, I've had a look at the show sheet and it's it is a spicy one today. So uh super looking forward to to uh jumping in and um on today's show we'll be we'll be getting Drew to give us his insight into uh, the bulletproof rookie prospect model that he's created from scratch whilst also highlighting guys that he's buying and selling in Dynasty. So before we start, Drew, if you could briefly tell the audience about your process when analysing college prospects and what sort of things go into your college model yeah so it's it's different for every position um basically instead of doing like a mathematical model it's more of just like a defined process i look at the same metric across the board on all the prospects and give them kind of a pass fail and then look at how many times they pass and how many times they fail and they go into a certain bucket and they uh and then the grades are just you know fun names uh <laughs> people often take them far too seriously but uh, they do signify like a bucket hit rate so like a bulletproof prospect uh historically not to say that it will continue happening every year into perpetuity but it's usually like a 75 percent plus hit rate uh for a top 12 quarterback top 12 running back top 24 wide receiver or top 12 tight end and then the coin flip tier uh, used to be called the, I don't remember what I used to call it, bullet resistant maybe. Ooh. And we, we changed the name to fit the hit rate better. It's about a 50% hit rate in the coin flip tier. And then the, uh, the long shot tier is about 25%. And then the bust tier is like 10 to 12% depending on the position. And then there's also transcendent and generational tiers, which are above and beyond and they're basically just all hits but uh, they're obvious ones they're guys that you'd you'd expect to be in there just to kind of separate them a little bit from you know well this guy's bulletproof and he's maybe not really all that good like jarvis landry 
And then somebody like <laughs> Odell Beckham is like, you know, generational. So it's like, yeah, they would have both been bulletproof, but Odell has a little bit extra. <laughs> You know what I, I love mean? That. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is going to be a generational show today. I've got a great feeling about this one. We're all in a very happy, positive mood, and it's uh, it's going to be a clash show. I can feel it already. So um, what we'll do now is we'll get you to highlight various players with different gradings in your rookie model. And let's dive in with your signature grade, the Bulletproof Prospect to begin with. And we're going to look at a Bulletproof rookie buy as your first selection, Drew. Sounds good. So the first guy I want to talk about is Elijah Moore. He was my wide receiver three after the draft. Like the draft happened, he immediately moved up to wide receiver three. I am completely in love with Elijah Moore aside from his 178-pound frame. I have a, a second designation that I give uh, wide receivers. It's an alpha-beta designation, and it basically signifies ceiling. If you look at players by size, the smaller ones don't tend to hit wide receiver one as often or or as often or like the number of times that they do hit if they do hit it's not as frequent so elijah moore probably isn't a wide receiver one candidate based on his size but he is like i, I think he's gonna have like a four or five wide receiver two type career which is really valuable in fantasy football even even if it isn't gonna break fantasy in any given year he's going to provide you a safe floor you can start week after week after week uh the guy produced in the sec like from a when you so when I'm doing my prospecting, I'm looking at uh, adjusting production based on the offense that they're in. So I'm not just yeah. taking raw yardage and saying, "Yep, he had a thousand yards." I'm looking at the percentage of his team's yards and the efficiency. So how many yards did he get per his team's pass attempts? And when you do that with Elijah Moore, it's like on par with Devonta Smith, who won the Heisman Trophy this year. Yeah. So he was an elite producer. He played in the SEC, the same schedule that uh, Devonta Smith did, he did not have a first-round quarterback passing to him. He did not have 100 first-round picks surrounding him. <laughs> Elijah Moore was on an island by himself, basically, and he did what Devonta Smith did. I love Elijah Moore. Uh, and, then, and then, like, we got to his combine, and I thought he was going to be kind of a non-athlete, but he turned out to be very much an athlete. I use Relative Athletic Score to measure athleticism. It's a website by Math Bomb on Twitter, and it's awesome. And he gives the players a score and he size adjusts it, uh, which which really hinders Elijah Moore's uh, relative athletic score because he's so small. He gave him an 8.68 out of 10, which is, you know, really, really good. Uh, and, and he like he breaks it down like size was very poor. His explosion was good. His speed was great. And his agility was absolutely elite, like best in the NFL. And then I look at players that are similar, and I don't have any players that are similar to Elijah Moore. When I look at the bulletproof tier, it's him and KJ Hamler, which is not a great uh, ringing endorsement based on KJ Hamler's rookie season, but uh, it's all we got. And if you just break it down further to just bulletproof betas, it's a list of a whole bunch of guys that you do want. And we don't really know how much this size affects things, which is why I just kind of label them uh, alpha beta. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, all the small guys are betas. I don't care that Devonta Smith is 166 pounds. I care that he's a beta. If he was 185 pounds, he'd still be a beta. So it doesn't really matter to me. Same thing with Elijah Moore. If he's 185 pounds, like we thought he was coming out of college, it doesn't change anything. He's still been a bulletproof beta. So the bulletproof beta list is really, really good. So I'm not all that concerned about Elijah Moore. I just don't think he has the elite ceiling that I normally chase. Yeah. Yeah. No, for me, I, I absolutely love this pick. Um, I was I was all over Elijah uh, in the Elijah against Rondan Wall debate 
Um, he's, he's my rookie wide receiver five. Uh, and he's also someone that I'm looking to take every time when I'm sort of early second round of the, the rookie drafts. Um, so I've, I've been picking him up in quite a few places. And um, then the news at, at Jets camp is, is really positive that Elijah seems to be showing up in a big way. Uh, I think that's his ADP is now creeping up. Uh, so it's now the wide receiver 43 in startups, uh, which is ahead of the likes of Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry and, and Will Fuller. Um, but just looking ahead to this season, I, I think he can take over that that slot position for the Jets. Um, and if possible, if, if Crowder was was somehow cut or traded away, I think he can end up as the wide receiver one on this team. Um, I love his versatility and I'm excited to see what he can do in this offense under under Robert Sala. Um, he's also got that good draft capital of the early second round. So he's definitely one of the safer rookie wide receiver picks for sure. Um, and, and definitely someone that I really like. Yeah, he's, he's definitely gaining some hype. You've just mentioned it in OTAs. Obviously, Crowder sitting that out. So, uh, Elijah Moore's taking full advantage of that opportunity um, and he's, he's really shining from the reports that we're seeing coming out of, of OTAs. Um, I think if Crowder were to leave, we're going to see his, uh, Ronda, uh, sorry, Elijah Moore's value starting to creep up even more. Uh, we know, as, as Drew mentioned, he had that really impressive final season at Ole Miss with over a 1,000 receiving yards. Um, but he's also been utilised in, in the running game as well. So, as you just mentioned, Ali, with him connecting now with Robert Sala and offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they use him. Obviously, we know he, they come from that Kyle Shanahan uh, coaching tree. So, there's, there's every chance that he can be in that mould of somebody like Debo Samuel uh, or Brandon Ayuk with, with the 49ers. So, yeah, definitely a guy that, that I'm fully invested in when it comes to these rookie wide receivers. So, Drew, I just wanted to, to throw a quick question back to you. You just mentioned about how he's a, a buy for you in Dynasty. Could you just give a couple of examples of maybe some veteran wide receivers that you'd be happy to, to give up to, to acquire Elijah Moore? Some veteran wide receivers? Mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure who's going ahead of him right now. Uh, um, I would give yeah, up they, like a Jerry Judy to get him pretty easily. Yeah, if that counts. No, definitely, yeah. Uh, like I have him ranked at wide receiver 29, so I'm what 14 wow. spots ahead of ADP on him. I, I would yeah. give up a lot of guys for him. Uh, I try to trade at ADP though, so if he's valued at wide receiver 43, I'm trying to get something in that range or give mm. up something in that range. I'm not gonna like. I'm not buying him at wide receiver 29, if that makes yeah. sense, even though that's yeah, where yeah. I have him valued. I'm buying him at wide receiver 43 very aggressively is maybe the way to put it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I think I think Elijah Moore Island, it sounds a pretty nice place to be, actually. I quite like that. Um, he's, he's my rookie wide receiver six, but he's possibly um, – they're all very close between wide receiver two and seven. Um I mean, you've got to think about the Jets' the current coaching ties to the wide receivers on that roster. You've got, obviously, the second-round draft capital on Elijah Moore. You've got um, the, the bought in Corey Davis. So, you know, they like those two guys. We're still a little bit uncertain on Jameson respect. I think as well, I saw a, a poll on Twitter from Scott Connor recently uh, this weekend about um, who would you take, Elijah Moore or a mid-22nd first? And it was like... Almost 50 50. So the fact that his value has risen so much on the back of a couple of plays in training camp and uh, some of the beat writers giving him a bit of hype, it feels amazing that he's, that he's risen so. Paying the 22 first for him, I don't like that cost at all. I think when you're taking him over guys like potential Burks or David Bell, I think that's crazy. So uh, I've got a quick question for you, Drew. Um, for anyone that's yet to have their rookie drafts this year, 
where would you be willing to take Elijah Moore with this increase in value or perceived increase in value? He's previously been going as the rookie 202 in Superflex. Uh, I have him ranked in Superflex rookie drafts at uh, seven. Wow. Mm. Oh, sorry, that's one QB. My mistake. Wrong list. <laughs> wow. Wrong list. <laughs> Hold, hold on, hold on. down a few places. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, let me just get to the right page here. Okay, I got him at eleven in Superflex. Just like it. So back end of the first. You betcha. Nice. That's still around one. Yeah. Uh, player. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, D uh, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore Island. Love that. <laughs> That's great. So um, obviously you're massive on Elijah Moore. We'll now move on to a. Bulletproof veteran buy of yours, Drew. <laughs> sure. So a bulletproof veteran buy. Um, people always ask me for buy lows, and I like pretty much consistently say do not buy low. Uh, the one time, like the the instance in which I'm okay with buying low is when a player has really really good sophomore comps. So they come into the NFL as a rookie with a good prospect grade, or or it doesn't even have to be a good prospect grade. It's really more dependent on the rookie year, and if they have a really good rookie year. And it compares well to the players that have had similar rookie years in the past with similar prospect grades. Then I still want to buy that player pretty much until they're out of the NFL because you just never know when these late round guys are going to hit. And when I looked at the late round guys that have hit in the past few years, or not late round, sorry, late career, like the, the Robert Woods and the uh, Devontae Parker and guys like Corey Davis, like guys like that that hit in their third, fourth, fifth year. They all have these really good sophomore comps. They showed us that they were good players in their rookie year, and things went off the rail for whatever reason. And honestly, if you look at Corey Davis, like you had no reason to buy Corey Davis coming into this year other than his sophomore comps. You had no reason to buy Devontae Parker coming into 2019. Is that when he has blow up? Other than his sophomore comps. You had no reason to buy Robert Woods other than his sophomore comps. Like There was just <laughs> never a reason to buy these guys going into the year they finally hit. There's no reason to buy Christian Kirk right now. I will be perfectly blunt. I'm not saying Christian Kirk is going to hit right now. This year it's on. I think there's a chance. And his sophomore comps indicate to me that he's going to be really good. And uh, I should probably preface what I mean by sophomore comps. When I look at sophomore comps, I'm looking at their prospect grade. And then I'm looking at their rookie year performance. And I'm combining them in together. And I'm finding all the players that did something similar. So when I do that for Christian Kirk, I get... Uh, and, the, and the things I'm looking at for rookie year performance, I should maybe preface that as well, is I'm looking at... Uh, fantasy points per game in their rookie year. I'm looking at their uh, PFF rookie grade. I'm looking at their ADP trends. So I'm looking ADP trends is basically did they did the community buy into this player as after the rookie year? Did they go up or down in their ADP startup ADP year over year? And then I roll that all in together with the prospect grade. And when I look at that for Christian Kirk, I get. Who do I get here? Um, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson, Kendall Wright, all of whom hit, and then Marquis Brown, who has not hit yet, but he came into the league after Christian Kirk, so maybe maybe someday. But three of the guys that have a, had a chance to hit actually hit. All three, 100% hit. And those guys are all betas. If I expand it to alpha or beta, it's a really, really long list, and they all hit. So I got to believe that at some point, Christian Kirk is going to put it together and have a season that where he hits top 24, Maybe he's the like one or two guys out of 20. I think he had 24 on his original comp list and all of them hit. So maybe he won't. I don't know, but I kind of think that there's a chance he will. He could have that second team breakout like a like a Robert Woods did. 
I also think it's promising that Larry Fitzgerald at this point at least doesn't look like he's coming back. And Christian Kirk should move into the slot. And he pretty much played the slot exclusively in college. So it should be a good role shift for him. I don't think he was ever meant to be a deep threat, which is basically the what the Cardinals used him as last year. I think he's much better suited to the slot. He's kind of a yak machine, or he should be. He was in college. So I think he will be again. So now that Fitzgerald's gone, Kirk moves to the slot. A.J. Green plays outside. I think A.J. Green's more of a decoy than anything else at this point. Hopkins obviously blocks out the sun. He's got a gravitational pull. We love Hopkins. But uh, there's going to be enough there for Kirk to have a 20%-ish target share again. And if Kyler takes another step forward, we could be looking at a top five passing offense, which is what I was talking about last year when I was saying to buy Christian Kirk. So I think it could happen, but I'm really more banking on it happening on his second team, wherever that may be. That's all I have on <laughs> Drew, Drew, you're a man after my heart because Kirk is somebody, just like you mentioned, is a guy that I've been high on. He's somebody that I was targeting a lot after after the season just ended. Um, you just mentioned guys like Larry Fitzgerald. Obviously, we, we knew he was going to become a free agent. Um, opening a role potentially for Kirk to be the wide receiver too in Arizona. Obviously, now we know that AJ Green signed and, and the drafting of Rondale Moore. So that could potentially lower his scene a little bit for, for 2021. Um, but I think we're finally going to get to see him in that slot role, like you just mentioned. He's, he's being used more as a deep threat, but I think the slot role is what suits him best. It's where he, he was so efficient in college with Texas A&M. Um, and it's also worth noting a, a stat from Arizona last year in 2020. They, they ran the most four wide receiver sets with 20% of the total offensive snaps. Uh, being four wide receiver sets. So even if you are worried about those guys, I'm like you, Drew. I'm not too worried um, about AJ Green and, and Rondell Moore is a guy that I'm high on. But at the same time, I think Kirk, he's still going to get that opportunity. Uh, and even if, as I say, if you are worried about those guys, he's still going to get his chance because they run so many four wide receiver sets. And we know the offense it's on, it's it's an air raid. It's a it's a high tempo offense. So I just think the opportunity is there. I'm hoping that he can he can do it in 2021. Oh, you just mentioned it might be a case where he's got a move, but I'm just excited to see him in that slot role and and hopefully see him develop into the player that he was in in college. Yeah, I mean I can certainly relate because my very first article that I wrote for this Twitter page was a, a go and buy Christian Kirk article. Um, and so I love this take. Uh, it's it's not been the st the stellar start in Arizona that we were, that I was hoping for anyway. I've got quite a few shares of him. Uh, he's he's flashed with them big games, but he's, we I don't think we've seen his his full potential yet. Um, and then obviously bringing in the two wide receivers in the off season possibly show that they don't see him being the long term answer going forward. But but like you said, he's he's going to get a chance this year. Um, he can you know move into that slot role and and be the guy now. So. If he doesn't do it this year, well, he might never do it. But then if he does, his value, you know, could shoot up from where it is at the minute. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I love this high high tempo offense. The, the four wide receiver sets, as you mentioned, Matt, I think it gives him a really decent chance. And obviously with, with Hopkins, it's always gonna, he's always going to be the target hog, like you said. Um, but I certainly see him have a chance this year in the slot um, in this high tempo offense. So just a quick question back to you, Drew. Uh, what would you be prepared to pay to acquire Kirk at the minute in, in a trade? uh i would pay let me just check here if i'm still dealing like if i hadn't had my 2021 rookie draft yet mm. and i could trade a pick for him i would trade anything up to probably pick or anything after pick 18 so middle of the second yeah um yeah. if i'm dealing in the future i if, if i'm a contender i would easily move my second round pick in 2023 
two for him because it's probably going to be a late pick. I'm probably not going to move an early pick for him because I think there's probably going to be some guys that I would like to draft in the early second next year. But, uh, you know, if I could get him for a couple thirds in the future, I would do that pretty easily. And I like, I'm not sure what his value is right now. I don't think it's all that high. I think you can probably get him for a couple of thirds. I think 99% of the community is out. It's like us. Yeah. It's, it's the three of us. We're, we're the ones that are <laughs> We're the ones holding the flag at this point. <laughs> I managed to buy him for a third a few weeks ago. So did you? Okay, well I'm yeah. in. If I can get him for a third, I'll buy him every single time. Yeah, yeah. Especially if it's a 2021 third, because this class, yeah, while it's really, really deep in terms of lots of good players, there's no depth. Like after you get past like 18th pick, I want nothing else. It's it's over for me at that point. Yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest fan to be honest. I think the college production profile it was great to be honest. Uh, I liked his dominator is. Uh, target share is um, his early breakout age. are all fantastic, but you look at last two years' metrics, and there's nothing that stands out to me to what he's done well. Um, I think he's a volume wide receiver. Um, Arizona, they're an average pass volume team uh, in the league in 2020. And then you've got the added guys like AJ Green, who he had 100 targets last season. I know we laugh about him. And plus, we've had a Rondale Moore. So I just worry the fact that. He was unable to sort of unseat a 37-year-old Larry Fitzgerald. They had 79 versus 72 targets. So that really worries me for Kirk. I know there's hope that he moves to the slot and gets it a lot better in uh, 2021, but I'm just a little bit burnt by what he's done in the past. So uh, I've got a question to you, Drew. Obviously, you're a lot higher on Kirk than I am. So um, with him out of contract after the season, I, as a dynasty owner, are you wanting him to stay in Arizona or, or actually leave and take a role no, somewhere else? I'd be happy with him moving on at this point. I don't think it's I think it's ever going to happen for him in Arizona at this point. I think they drafted Rondell Moore to play the slot. I don't know that that's going to happen right away. I think Kirsch probably holds down that role for the year at least, and Rondell takes over the next year. Or or like maybe Kirk plays you know half in the slot and half outside, something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think at this point I'm I'm banking on like a Robert Woods type career arc where it's it's team two where he really starts to see, you know, the the volume that we were hoping for from the start. I mean, to be fair, as a sophomore, he did have a 25% target share. It's not like he hasn't got volume in the past. He just, you know, that year Kyler was a rookie and the offense was incredibly inefficient. It wasn't just Kirk, it was the entire offense. Kyler was very inefficient as a rookie, which is to be expected. Most rookie quarterbacks are very inefficient. Usually I am fading players, wide receivers that play with rookie quarterbacks because of their inefficiency. So I, I, I actually thought Kirk was going to be a smash last year. I thought for sure he was going to crush. It did not happen. It didn't even come close to happening, which was a real heartbreaker. But I, again, this is the kind of thing, like I was saying earlier with the sophomore comps, when we look at these late career arc guys that break out, it, they don't have an indication that they're about to do it. It just happens. And the only indication that I can tell is that they do have really good sophomore comps. They looked good after their rookie year. They showed enough that they were NFL players at that point that it's just a blind faith uh, purchase at this point. And when we're dealing with like third round prices, I'm fine with making a blind faith purchase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess at the third round, you can't really grumble, can you? And you look at what goes in the third round nowadays. So, so it's been a party pooper on Kirk, but I know the next guy we've got your coin flip by someone that um, we all we all really like on the fantasy wildcard. All right, so the the coin flip buy that I selected, 
just trying to pull up the right sheet here, is <laughs> Brandon Ayuk. And Brandon Ayuk is someone that I, I missed on Brandon Ayuk in, in some sense last year. I didn't really miss on him. I had him ranked at, at where he, you know, at his ADP basically. But I didn't. I wasn't that into him. I didn't. I didn't have a full process at that point. I was basically looking at the stuff and just like eyeballing it and being like, "That looks like a bust. That looks like a coin flip." Like, I didn't really have a defined process at that point. I didn't actually define everything until about September, uh, or I didn't start defining anything until August. September is when it started, and I didn't actually finish it until like I don't even know February maybe. So it was, it was a long process. Uh, wide receiver took by far the longest. Anyways, I had Brandon Ayuk, I believe, labeled as a bust coming into the NFL at, at May, like when we were making or when we were doing our rookie drafts. So I wasn't high on him by any stretch. Um, but that was, again, before my defined process. I still had him ranked where <laughs> everyone else did. I wasn't low on him by any means. So I feel like I missed on him, but I didn't. But then when I defined my process, what I found out was that actually Brandon Ayuk's profile is pretty good. He's a coin flip. And coin flips are like what an average first round pick is. So I really like quite, or I really like Brandon Ayuk. In hindsight, if I could redo my rankings based on my defined process in 2020, he'd have been a lot higher than where I had him. But can't do that. So all we can do is move forward. So now I have him in my sophomore comps as a coin flip because that's what his profile actually is. And when I plug him in as a coin flip with his fantasy points per game, his PFF receiving grade, and his ADP trends, these are his comps: Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Juju Smith-Schuster, AJ Brown. There is nobody you don't want on this list. Every player on this list is a stud. I want Brandon Ayuk on every one of my teams, and I have been wildly unsuccessful buying him. It is the most frustrating experience of my life. I think a lot of people I play in leagues with actually follow me on Twitter, and then they see that I'm out here saying, go and get Brandon Ayuk, and they're like, yeah, no, 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 I know what you're up to. So even if they don't like him, I think they're just holding out for a premium from me, and I'm too stubborn to buy anything at a premium. So I don't have a lot of Brandon Ayuk, but every startup draft I've done this year, I have drafted Brandon Ayuk. So that counts for something. Nice. No, I love it. It's, it's difficult when you, you're so high in a player that everybody on Twitter and in, in your leagues knows that you're, you're high in that player. So it's difficult <laughs> to then try and get him. Um, but just me as a whole, the, the 49ers offense really intrigues me. And I think it's really, it's the hardest offense in the NFL to project up. Um, I think you've got Kittle as the number one target, but then, just working out whether Debo or Brandon Ayuk is going to be the number one wide receiver. Um, but I think Ayuk's got a really good shot. The way he he lit up the second half of the season, uh, I think in a six-game stretch, he was averaging 20.8 points per game. Um, and I think five, five out of six of those were without Jimmy G. Um, so basically playing with a load of backups. Um, he's currently going as wide receiver 22 in startups. Just a little bit higher than where I've got him ranked. Um, he's ahead of... Superstar Kenny Golladay, um, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy. Uh, I'd take those three guys ahead of him, but I'm, they're, they're certainly in the same ballpark. Um, this is a, obviously a high-powered offense. There's going to be lots of opportunity, and there's also a potential quarterback change this year, um, which I presume will probably be mid-season. Um, and obviously, you've got Debo and Kittle returning healthy this year. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this offense as a whole, especially Brandon Ayuk, performs in in 2021 yeah i it was a guy that, that i actually really liked coming in as a prospect and then the landing spot it just seemed perfect for for how he's how he's used and utilized and um, finishing as a wide receiver 35 in 2020 
And we mentioned it, it has that benefit of Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle missing time. But Ali just mentioned it. He played pretty much most of the season with backup quarterbacks, Nick Mullins and, and CJ Beathard. So I think that that kind of outweighs the fact that, that he was the prime target, but he was, he was catching passes from these backup quarterbacks. Um, but as I mentioned, he's another one of those wide receivers that, that is versatile. He can be used in a lot of ways. Um, and now, obviously, we know the, the addition of Trey Lance. I think that's only going to elevate his game. Um, so, Drew, I'm just wondering, what do you think his ceiling could be in 2021 with, obviously, the return of, of Debo Samuel and Kittle coming back? Uh, I think in 2021, it's going to be muted, but it doesn't really have a lot to do with Debo Samuel or George Kittle. I think it's going to have more to do with the transition to Trey Lance. Yeah. Because uh, we're just probably not going to see a really high volume pass offense this year. I think it's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be GQ until they put in Lance. And then once they put in Lance, I think it's going to be more Lance like running for his life than uh, sitting back in the pocket and tearing apart the the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think Ayuk from a target share perspective, he was 23.2% last year, uh, which for a rookie is incredible. Like regardless of who is on his team, it is fantastic. Um. <laughs> like Terry McLaurin played with nobody in Washington as a rookie, right? Like they didn't have yeah. a player that deserved to be on an NFL roster on that team. And he, I believe had a 24% target share. So the fact that Brandon, I, did it with Kittle kind of there and Debo kind of there at 23.2% is still impressive. I don't like, I'm normally I would be like, okay, Brandon, Ayuk, we're going to, you know, he's going to jump to 26, 27% this year. But we have to counter, you know, the presence of Kittle. Kittle's probably still the wide receiver one or tight end one slash the the number one target is maybe the way to put it. I agree with you on that. So I, I think Kittle, uh, what did he have? Twenty eight point two percent in twenty nineteen and twenty four point one in twenty twenty was his target share per game. So I think we're probably going to see him in that 25 percent target share because now Debo and Ayuk are both going to be there. They're going to take a little bit from him. Ayuk is probably going to remain around that 23% target share. And Debo, I, like Debo is basically a running back at this point. He had, I don't know if you guys know this, Debo Samuel had two completed air yards on the entire year, cumulatively, <laughs> on per target, cumulatively. He is wow. a glorified running back at this point because Brandon Ayuk is the alpha wide receiver. They transitioned his role from being kind of an alpha slash, you know, yak guy to strictly a yak guy. He played running back for pass routes. It was a remarkable change, and I suspect that will continue. And that means that Debo Samuel isn't going to be a true contender for target share in the offense. Like, he's still going to get his. He's going to get, you know, 17 18%, which is roughly what he was at last year on a per-game basis, not for the whole season, on a per-game basis. So I think that's probably going to continue, and Ayuk's probably going to continue in that 23 24% range, and Kittle's probably going to be in the 23 24% range as well. Maybe Ayuk's a little bit lower, 22%. But long-term, what I expect to happen is that will transition. It will shift from Kittle to Ayuk. Ayuk will be the wide receiver one, the number one target in 2023. No, in 2022. Uh, But right now, it's probably still going to be Kittle. I think he's going to run a lot safer routes for the rookie Trey Lance to throw to. And we know that GQ just doesn't – he's not a very good quarterback. He doesn't take risks. Uh, So I think that he's probably going to favor Kittle's routes as well. We're a little closer to the line of scrimmage little bit more like yak friendly and then as we transition to trey lance and his beautiful deep ball i think we're going to see the average depth of target of the throws go up a little bit which is going to be iuk season and i'm here for it so this year 2021 i'm expecting brandon iuk to be roughly a back-end wide receiver too 
Uh, as soon as 2020, as soon as Trey Lance takes over, we go into 2022 where Lance has a year of experience. I'm expecting Brandon Ayuk to be a back end wide receiver one at minimum and a perennial back end wide receiver one, not one time. I'm expecting it to be every year we're talking about Brandon Ayuk in the back end of the wide receiver one, unless Lance is a fantastic passer, which could totally happen. I don't really know what Lance is yet. I don't have a good feel for him. Nobody does. He only played one year of like low level college ball. So Lance is a total wild card. He is the fly in the ointment here. It's not Kittle and it's not Debo. It's Trey Lance. That's what we have to worry about with Brandon Ayuk. Guys like this, they just eat. They're, they eat first, eventually. It may not happen right away, but eventually he will get his. So that's it. <laughs> Trey Lance the what? Trey, Trey Lance the wild card, well, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think with Ayuk, obviously, he's a really interesting guy. Um Three games with Evo and Kittle, it's a small sample size, but you just got to think like this this offense, it's it's a lower volume offense. It's gonna be a better efficiency under Lance. Um there's probably a better chance for Scott scoring as well. And I've got Ayuk above Evo in my rankings. And I think another Ayuk's really interesting is he's, he's a target for both rebuilding teams and win now teams, which is really nice. So just wanna know if thoughts, Drew. Hypothetically, if you believe you're a Brandon Ayuk away from being a major contender in Dynasty. What are you willing to pay to acquire him? And that can either be 2022 picks or players or both. I, I would like I have him ranked at wide receiver 12, so I'm a, I'm really really high on him. Nice. I, I would like whatever it takes. He's, <laughs> his his rank is way lower, or his ADP is much lower than that. Yeah. So I'm willing to pay his ADP and maybe even a touch more because I have him ranked so much higher than everyone else does. Uh, like I said, I just look at his his sophomore comps and I'm like, I want every one of these guys for their entire career. There are no one-hit wonders on this list. Like, it is perennial stars. Even Juju Smith-Schuster, who's the worst player on the group, he was still, what, wide receiver 20 last year or something like that? Like, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't great. So, yeah, I'll pay whatever it takes. <laughs> Love that. And this, this next take, we've got your coin flip sell. It's one of the Hottest takes I've seen for a while. Uh, that's why I've got my shades on for today's show. So um, get ready for this one. It's your coin flip sell. Uh, the coin flip sell. I'm just trying to get back to the sheet who I said. Oh, coin flip sells AJ Brown. Oh, my God. I, uh... I've been getting skewered repeatedly about AJ Brown. And I need to tell you, I love AJ Brown. Like AJ Brown, the player, I think is one of the hands down best wide receivers in football. This is not an A.J. Brown is bad, so sell him take. A lot of my takes are that. This isn't that. <laughs> this is strictly from a projection standpoint. There is no way in hell he is a top five wide receiver. And if he's not a top five wide receiver, I don't want him at his price. Like, I do want him. At, like <laughs> If price was no object, I'll take him. But at his price, it doesn't make sense to hold a player that can't be a top five receiver. And he can't be a top five receiver because the Tennessee Titans don't believe in the forward pass. And the, this isn't a Derrick Henry thing either. This goes back before Derrick Henry. Even to the season where Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis were splitting time because the head coach of the Packers, what's his name again? LaFleur. I can't remember which one he is. Matt, Matt LaFleur? Matt, Matt LaFleur, yeah. He, in his infinite wisdom, he, was, he looked at Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry and said, let's split the carry. Like, <laughs> like, come on, man. So even when they were in that type of offense, they still didn't throw the ball. They, they would rather run with Deion Lewis than throw the ball. So it's not a Derrick Henry thing. Now they're not throwing still because they don't believe in throwing the ball. It's an organizational philosophy. They went from uh, exotic smash mouth to this Mike Vrabel offense. 
which still doesn't throw the ball. Like they, they just don't believe that's the way to win football games. And that's fine. It's they're doing okay. Like they're what 10 and six or nine and seven pretty much every year since I can remember. <laughs> so like, it's not hurting the team per se, but it's hurting AJ Brown and it's hurting Corey Davis where it was hurting Corey Davis. If you put Corey Davis on any other team almost in 2018, I believe was his sophomore year, he hits every other team he hits with the same yards per target, the same target share he hits on almost every other team except for Tennessee. AJ Brown has been phenomenal for fantasy football given his efficiency. His efficiency is not sticky. Like his efficiency is coming from touchdown rate, touchdown rate of 15%. That's like five percentage points higher than I would ever project anyone for ever. It's such an outrageous touchdown. And he did it two years in a row. So I'm like, you know, maybe after this year, I'm like, okay, he's just a 15% <laughs> touchdown guy. I don't know. It's so unsustainable, but yet he keeps sustaining it. And if you look at Ryan Tannehill, he didn't throw touchdowns at this rate until he got to Tennessee. And I have to think part of this is a Derrick Henry corollary. I don't know because you can't really test this because Derrick Henry is a unicorn. So we don't have other instances where we can say, yep, you have a guy who can rush for 2,000 yards every year and the touchdown rates go up because whatever. We don't have that. But Tannehill got good suddenly when he got to the Titans where Mariota wasn't good. So it's not like it's just like the perfect system for a quarterback. Like Mariota was I, I thought Mariota was pretty good and then he you know he never did anything in Tennessee so that was unfortunate but AJ Brown's volume if we just look at volume his volume projects to be like I don't know 130 140 targets maybe maximum in a 17 game season that's nowhere near top five volume so if that efficiency comes down he's not gonna be a top he's not even gonna be a wide receiver one let alone a top five wide receiver and he's valued at wide receiver one or thereabouts. It depends who you ask. Some guys have him at wide receiver one, some at two, some at three. Like he's pretty consistently in top three, though. And when you have that kind of price, I want more. I want projectable upside. Not, not I hope that they philosophically change the offense because they traded for Julio Jones, which I don't think they're going to because they had Corey Davis last year. And I don't know if you guys know this. Corey Davis is one of the best wide receivers in football last year. It's not like he was Corey Davis of 2019 when he was terrible. He was actually incredible. His his PFF grade was, I think, eighth or somewhere thereabouts. His yards per route run was like fourth. Like he was, he was absolutely phenomenal. And interestingly enough, on a target share basis, up until the last two weeks of the season, he was neck and neck with AJ Brown. AJ Brown was no more featured in this offense than Corey Davis was until Corey Davis got absolutely skunked by uh, Jared Alexander by from the Packers, I believe it was. He had like one target that game or two targets that game. Up until then, they were like neck and neck. So it's not like A.J. Brown was just eating Corey Davis's lunch. So I don't think he's just going to eat Julio Jones's lunch either. I think they're probably both going to be a 25% target share in a super low-volume offense. And it's just really hard to buy into that for a wide receiver one overall type price. All offense, nothing about the player. The player's fantastic. I have no no qualms about A.J. Brown. <laughs> like, let me just check their... Uh, their passing attempts. I'm going off my memory because I don't have the sheet up apparently, but I believe it was about 27, 20 or 28, 27 and 30 attempts per game the past three years. So they were already on a three-year high. So if they regress to their mean, we're talking about less pass volume. Yeah. It's you don't just always regress teams to the league median or the league mean. You regress to their mean. What do we expect them to do? And it ain't good. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm sorry. I love AJ Brown, <laughs> but I just can't buy. I'm sorry. 
No, I, I think a lot of people are not going to be too happy with this selection, but I, I fully back what you're saying. You've you basically said everything that I was going to add to that, that the fact that he's going as the wide receiver five. I mean, that is his, that we're talking about, that's his absolute ceiling. And you've just mentioned there's probably a very, very small percentage chance that he even gets to that. Um, we, we know the offense, it's, 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 a, it's a run heavy offense. They've got, we've got Derek Henry. Why would they not be a run heavy offense? Um, they've been bottom three in, in pass attempts for the last, three years so you've just mentioned that that was even when when Derek Henry was just getting started and was splitting time uh, with, with Dion Lewis so I just I fully agree with what you said that I, I can't see it increasing we're talking about that being his, his absolute ceiling so I'm happy to I'm happy if I can get that value I'm happy to to go for somebody that's around that same ADP that's in a in a far better situation than, than what AJ Brown is I'm, I'm, I'm just like you, Joe. I, I love the talent. I think he's a great player. Um, maybe if his ADP does start to slip, that's when that's when I'm going to look to acquire him. But wide receiver five, that's I'm not touching him. Well, my my Twitter is the the, the dynasty grill, so I'm all about these heat takes, and <laughs> this is certainly up there with the spiciness. But I'm I'm a big fan of this because the value that you can get from trading away AJ Brown at the minute is just crazy. Um, I, I think his ADP is fine. I do have him ranked that high, but I'm I'm all about selling at the right price. So I think w with everybody being so hyped on him that um, now is a really good time to sell him. Um, and, and you're spot on, Matt. The, the offense runs through Derek Henry still. It's not going to change. He does it year in, year out. He's 27 now, but everyone keeps saying this is his last year, this is his last year, but he just keeps going on and on. Um, and then you talk about AJ Brown's efficiency. He's so incredibly efficient that surely it's going to come down a little bit. Um, when you look at last season... He only had 106 targets and that was below the likes of Logan Thomas, Marvin Jones and, and Russell Gage even. So that that volume is just not there for, for wide receiver one numbers, especially where he's been drafted. And, and then you throw in Julio in the mix. He's obviously going to get a, a ton of targets. They're not going to bring him in for nothing. And you know how good Julio is when he's when he's really on it. So, um, you know, if it, if it ends this, this time last season... Uh, next season, sorry, AJ Brown's ADP could be lower than it is right now, especially if if we do carry on seeing a low, you know, passing volume offense. Um, so, just a quick question for you, Drew: um, What do you see AJ Brown Sealand being in twenty twenty one? He was his wide receiver twelve in twenty twenty. Uh, do you think he can break into the top six where he's being drafted? I don't think he's going to break in the top six. I think with Julio. Uh, added to the team now we can't like I there's no way that he's going to have a 27 28 29 30 percent target share with Julio on the team so that knocks his target share projections back down like that was the crux of the argument right was he's he's gonna get all of the targets because he's the only guy on the team and yeah. then they <laughs> traded for Julio Jones so yeah, he's not the only best, guy on the, team. the best wide receivers in the NFL <laughs> yeah so now it's like well he's probably gonna get the same target share he had like I, I don't think he's gonna get less but or maybe not substantially less like I, he was 25.8 percent last year I, i'm projected for 25 percent now so i think uh with his like i think he's probably very good fo at football i don't think his efficiency is a total farce again like i'm not saying he's gonna regress to league average he's going to regress to like normal really good player average which is like a 10 percent touchdown rate and if you take that off that's like uh, I, I can't remember i did the math on this a while ago but it's it drops him to like wide receiver 14 15 last year and at that point, it's like, well, I mean, like, yeah, he's really good. And if he was being valued at wide receiver, like, I need to re, re I need, let's back up a second. When, 
with these types of situations where I'm like, ah, you got to fade them because of a situation. I'm, I'm not that guy usually. <laughs> it all depends on their situation, right? When A.J. Brown came into the NFL and everybody was fading him based on his situation, he went from like wide receiver two and like a top five uh, uh, rookie pick in Dynasty Leagues. And then he got drafted by the Titans. And it was like, oh, no, no, I don't want to. I picked him in the early second round multiple times. I'm like, you got to draft A.J. Brown because he's really good. And, and good players eventually, you know, they find their way. And now it's like, we jumped the shark. Like the situation is no longer in consideration for anyone. And I'm like, wait, all those reasons you were fading him still exist. You just, you went too far. Yeah. And now, now we need to rein it back. He's going to be a fringe wide receiver one, two. That's where I have him pegged. That's where he, I, in my opinion, that's where he should be. And if he's valued there and we can draft him there, then we can talk about, well, what if they pass more? Then we, then we talk about what if he, they pass more. Then we talk about what if the situation changes? But right now we're like the situation has to change for him to be like priced appropriately. So, anyways, long story short, I'm fringe wide receiver one two. That's where I think he's going to end up, which isn't bad. Like I think I think his projection is also very solid. You know, like I'm, I'm very comfortable saying, yeah, he is definitely going to be a wide receiver yeah. one two fringe. Like there's there's no like floor that I'm like, oh well, I don't know, maybe like he's a wide receiver three if things don't go like that's not going to happen. He's he's going to be there no matter what. So there, there is some like value in knowing what you're gonna get, but it's just like I want the upside. Yeah, I love this, love this take, Drew. I'm bored of the AJ Brown hype. To be fair, um, <laughs> I kind of fade players where there's too much hype. Um, I like to see both sides of the story. Like Joe Brashier, all I saw positive, so I took the contrarian side to fade him and call him old Joe, etc. But um, listening to your show on Friday, uh, you highlighted AJ Brown, um, and, and I was just nodding my head along like Will Smith to that. It was it was brilliant listening. Um, I think he, he's had unreal efficiency in his career so far. Um, he, he was the wide receiver six last season in, in fantasy points per game, which is great. But yeah, it's that volume, the 30th in the NFL. A team like Baltimore, people were saying that they're going to change and be pass heavy now they've got. Rashad Bateman, that's not true. And the same with the Titans. They've got Derrick Henry. They're still going to be a running team. Um, and Julio Jones, I mean, he's an absolute star. Uh, Corey Davis was great, but it's it's hard to imagine where Julio Jones doesn't eclipse the 92 targets Corey Davis got last season. So I just, as much as I love AJ Brown, I think he's a great player. I'm still not in at this, this cost. I mean, he's... He's been ranked above some absolute stars. I've done it for a while, and the guy that did it better than him last season, Justin Jefferson. I don't, I don't see that in some parts where he's going as wide receiver one. So, um, obviously, I think AJ Brown's a star long term, um, especially beyond Derrick Henry. But in the shorter term, I do worry about the uh, elite, elite production. So, if you're a win now side in Dynasty, who are you pivoting off to AJ Brown in a trade? Uh, if I'm in win now mode in Dynasty and I want to trade AJ Brown, I, I like <laughs> I, I I never really like win now mode per se. I, I tend to like build juggernaut teams where I just keep accumulating <laughs> younger players. I never really go all in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like it's fine because the like you know you have a bunch of really good players that are young. Eventually they just are really good. So it's fine. Anyway, if I need to pivot off AJ Brown, guys that I'd be looking to go to is like a Jamar Chase. Like I, I got to believe I can get something on top of AJ Brown for Jamar Chase. Yeah. Or something on top of Chase for AJ Brown. Pardon me. 
So I, I would take that pretty easily. I love Jamar Chase. I have I have Jamar Chase ranked higher in my dynasty rankings than I have AJ Brown right now by one spot. So that's someone I'd be very interested in moving on to. Uh, another guy would be like a DJ Moore, who I think has very similar project, like almost identical projections. Uh, that was like the crux of my entire thread that I got skewered for uh, <laughs> last weekend, I think it was, or the weekend mm-hmm. before. Like they have identical projections and people and and we have variants on DJ Moore's side. Like we they could be a higher volume passing offense because they've done it before. And we don't have this established like three-year track record of the head coach being installed and we know what we're getting. The coach has only been there for one year. They got a new quarterback. There's a lot of variants here that might play pay out or pay off for DJ Moore. And if it doesn't, he's an AJ Brown spot. Like it, you know. There's, there's just a lot of variants that I would like to get in on that. And I, you can get a lot for DJ Mora uh, on top of DJ Moore for AJ Brown. So be, those would be two younger guys I'd be going after. If I got to go for a veteran, like give me Michael Thomas. I think he's pretty undervalued right now. I, he's one year removed from like breaking fantasy. So <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that bet again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopkins is a safe bet. And I you can get a lot on top of Hopkins, I think, for AJ Brown at this point because Hopkins is like 29. Keenan Allen is a guy that I'm buying everywhere because of his extremely safe floor with an ascending quarterback that, you know, like the guy, the guy set records as a, as a rookie, like he's a good quarterback. So I got to think that offense has taken another step and Keenan Allen's going to be the primary beneficiary of that. So I'll take Keenan Allen with a bunch of first round picks for AJ Brown. If I can guys like that. Good stuff. You heard it here first on Fantasy Wildcard. Drew Olsenchuk says that AJ Brown stinks. Um, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's get into the second half of the show. I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, who are actually in the middle of a rebranding from Silver FX. Uh, JA3 Apparel is a leading supplier of bespoke team wear, including podcasts, sports clubs, universities, and schools. Choose from JA3's own bespoke range for modified designs or customize your own from scratch. We at Fantasy Wildcard have our very own merchandise store, bringing you our fantastic logo branded across several different quality items, including hoodies, hats, jackets, T-shirts, shorts, and money more. Please be sure to check out JA3 Apparel on Twitter at ApparelJA3, and their website launches next week. So keep your eyes peeled for that, and thank you very much. So we'll now move on to the second, and we'll kick things off with a long shot player that you're looking to buy, Drew. And I think this will get a seal of approval from all of us. Sure. So I should I should preface this. My my prospect grades they only matter as rookies. Like the long shot tag no longer matters. Uh, it, it it helps with their the the prospect grade, and then it it helps with sophomore comps. And then after that, we're we're done with it. It, it makes no difference anymore. So look, Curtis Samuel is the guy I'm going to talk about. Him being a long shot at this point doesn't matter. So just want to make sure that's clear <laughs> to, to all the viewers. I no longer think he's a long shot. I, I think he's a better bet than that at this point. Yeah. I, think he's, he's, I think he's quite a good fantasy football player. But this is kind of a funny one because one of the things I always look for is like consistent excellence. Right? Like I want to see players that are consistently good at football. And if you look at Curtis Samuel's fantasy finishes over the past uh, – for his whole career, his finishes are 118, 48, 48, and 27. This is a – long ways from consistent excellence. It's a player that hasn't been very good in the NFL from in terms of scoring fantasy points. But we have to take the context with that, right? Like he's played with some horrendous quarterbacks. He was injured his first year. 
he played with Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater and I believe one year of um, Cam Newton. So it's not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks that he's had throwing the ball to score fantasy points. He's also been partnered with one of the best wide receiver prospects we've ever seen in DJ Moore. He's had a rough go. And yet he's still been okay. Like he had a 27 wide receiver, 27 season alongside DJ Moore and um, Robbie Anderson last year with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. Like this shouldn't have gone as well as it did for Curtis Samuel, but it did because he's a good player. And the thing that I keep hanging my hat on with Curtis Samuel is not my thing at all. Actually, it's Matt Harmon's thing. And it is his reception perception. Curtis Samuel has been fantastic the last two years in reception perception. Uh, and, and like, that's pretty consistent. And if you if you're good at football, eventually you will get targets. You will get a role on a team. And now he's with the Washington Football Team, and they have not had an actual NFL wide receiver outside of Terry McLaurin in like three years, I think, two years maybe. So there's a lot of opportunity there for Curtis Samuel. They fed Logan Thomas, converted quarterback, last played Ooh. tight end in high school, a whole pile of targets last year. They have upgraded to, well, potentially upgraded to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who isn't a very good quarterback, but he's he's okay. And this, uh, what's the backup that's kind of getting some run here in preseason or in uh, Tyler, Tyler Heineke? Is it? Heineke. Yeah, he, he had a good run last year, so like maybe maybe he's the answer at quarterback. We don't really know. The point is, he doesn't have league worst quarterbacking, and he has a pretty open depth chart where I, I'm pretty sure he can walk in and get like a 20% plus target share if he's efficient, which I think he will be because his reception perception is really good. We're talking about a guy who has wide receiver two upside. Uh, he's probably going to be in the wide receiver three, four range because, or probably wide receiver three is kind of where I'm projecting him. He could be a wide receiver four if Fitzpatrick isn't magical or Heineke is is actually, or whatever his name Heineke. is. Heineke <laughs> is actually terrible. Heineke, is that a beer? <laughs> Heineke is terrible. Um, so yeah, like there's there's a wide range of outcomes for Curtis Samuel. He's never going to be a high <laughs> producer, but his ADP is so low that it just makes him worth it. You can buy him, I believe, for like a mid-second or you could anyway. Uh, the last time I looked, which it kind of gone up much since then. So at mid-second pricing, we're getting a player that we know is good at football in the NFL. We just don't know if he's going to get enough targets to be a fantasy producer. And in the mid-second, in a class like this, I would like Curtis Samuel every single time. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at with Curtis Samuel. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> I hate when you mention Ty Taylor Heineke because he nearly gave me nightmares last year when he he nearly beat my Buccaneers in the wildcard game by himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but in terms of Curtis Samuel, he's just another guy that, that I'm purring about this year. You hear the reports out of OTAs and he's taking snaps at running back. So that, that's got me really excited um, for his upside. Um, I think we're all massive fans of, of Curtis Samuel. I think we've all got a lot of shares of him. And he, he had his best season to date last year. As you said, he was a back-end wide receiver too. Um, and that was on the back of only scoring three, three receiving touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. So you've got to believe that that number goes up in 2021. Uh, his, his current ADP is wide receiver 39. So I think he's going to smash that this year quite easily. Um, and probably have another back-end wide receiver two finish. Um, and, and in fact, he's only 24 years old. So he's on a fresh team. He's got a fresh start and he's still not even in his peak yet. So... I'm definitely all in on buying Curtis Samuel before his, his value rises, definitely. 
Yeah, this this was always going to be a great selection, Drew, because we, we absolutely love Kate Samuel. We were only just talking about him on his on his last show, but yeah, I've, I've been on board with him for a while as well. I mentioned it. I mentioned it every time we talk about him. But I was that guy that was taking him over DJ Moore when, when all that when all that debate came up. So I've got to stick with him now because I've been through it when it when it was at that point. So, but yeah, it, we've just been we were just waiting for him to be used correctly in Carolina. Um, finally took that step forward in twenty twenty finishing as the wide receiver 25. He had over a 1,000 yards from scrimmage and, and those five touchdowns, like Ali just said. Um, and now in Washington, I'm just I'm praying that he gets into that slot role. That's a role that Logan Thomas took up in. And Drew, you might not know this, but I absolutely hate Logan Thomas. I mean, he is <laughs> a byproduct of of, um, of targets, if, if there ever has been a player that, 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 that that's managed to be fantasy relevant. Um, so yeah, I'm just hoping he gets in that slot role. He's been able to to be used in in those various different ways, taking taking those screens, those those jet sweeps, and and hopefully just getting that volume. Like you mentioned, we know Ron Rivera is obviously a big fan of his. He's, he's paid up to get his guys on that three year deal, uh, thirty four point five million. So obviously putting putting his money where where his mouth is in, and and wanting to get his guy. Um, and, and and I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, Drew. This this week, have you seen the, the picture on on Washington's Twitter page with um, Ryan Fitzpatrick holding <laughs> holding up that board? Yeah, he's, 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 he's his best friend, one of those guys. It, it was Terry McLaurin and then Curtis Samuel. So if if you ever needed a sign that he was going to have a, a big year, it, I'm taking that picture as as, as that sign. Absolutely, um, that's yeah. a perfect sign. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick is basically saying draft these guys. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's the way I took it, Drew. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he has a he has a great 2021 season. Um, so, so you've just named him as as, as a, someone that you, you're looking to buy, um, and, and I'm assuming you're hoping he has a, a successful 2021 season uh, with his current ADP being wide receiver 39. Um, how much do you see that that expanding going into into this time next year? What do you think his his ADP is going to be? Uh, I don't know that he's going to gain a lot of value. I think he's more of a guy that's just going to give you some cheap points. Like if yeah. you can get a wide receiver, if you get a guy a wide receiver thirty nine, he gives you a wide receiver twenty four finish. I consider that a pretty big win. I don't think he's ever going to be, uh, you know, valued in like the top fifteen or the top twenty just because of the role he's going to play. He's always going to be the wide receiver two on Washington, and Washington is never going to get a good quarterback because they completely botched the draft in twenty was it twenty twenty. They could have had two or Herbert, and they chose a defensive end instead, which was a colossal error. I don't know if you guys have seen any of my threads on that, but they always uh, end up with at least 17 skewers in me. People yeah. just hate that I <laughs> think they should have drafted a quarterback. <laughs> but on, like honestly, like now that you look at Washington football team, they're they're a good football team, right? Like they're not going to be picking the top 10 again for a long time, probably. Unless their quarterback is so terrible that, and their defense, like everyone gets hurt. That's the only way. So they're always going to be picking in this like area where you can draft a Mac Jones or Dwayne Haskins or, or guys like that, which just have super low hit rates, which we're going to talk about later. So we won't get into it yet, but they just have no hope of ever getting a good quarterback. So we're never going to get that like quarterback narrative going for Curtis Samuel. It's going to boost his value. It's always going to be, well, I, they'll, they'll plug the hole with this guy this year and, you know he'll he'll get wide receiver two or the he'll be the number two target in the offense, so maybe he'll have another wide receiver two season. Like we're just never going to get that hype train rolling where he's going to be super valued, but he's always going to give you the free points or the not free but like the cheap points. So that's the appeal to me, not so much on a value gaining perspective. Yeah, we, I mean we all love this. This is an amazing selection. I mentioned it that he's worth it. I think he'd look fantastic on a L'Oreal advert. Would Curtis Samuel? Because he is worth it, but. 
uh, way. But um, yeah, I'm just really intrigued with the role that he gets in that offense uh, this season. It's obviously the same OC and head coach he had in 2019, where he was used as a deep threat. Then last season, you saw him use slightly different, different uh, under Matt Rule. So really intrigued. Young ascending player, uh, uh, an ascending team. Uh, Fitzpatrick, pretty exciting as well. That'll be a fun ride. Um, I know, obviously, you faded Teddy McLaurin as a as a rookie, Drew. Um, what's the percentage chance that Curtis Samuel outscores him in 2021? I don't think it's that good. Curtis <laughs> McLaurin's really good football player. I totally botched that one. Uh, well, I didn't botch it. Like the process was the process, and that, that's what it said. He, he's one of the 10 percent that hit. Like it's going to happen. There's always going to be 10 percent that hit. So I'm not Drew, that. Drew, Drew, you just need to know that Kev Kev was basically just teeing you up <laughs> to try and back his hot take yeah. because his hot <laughs> yeah. take is that Curtis Samuel's gonna gonna outscore Terry McLaurin. So it, I think he oh. was just praying, he was throwing the Hail Mary and just hoping that you'd you'd go along with it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, man. Terry McLaurin, he, he's good at football. Like right. now that like Terry McLaurin is actually the reason that I developed sophomore comps, right? Because I was yeah. trying to come up with do we buy Terry McLaurin after his rookie year or not? Because he was such a bad prospect, but he had such a good rookie year. And everything that I kept looking at that everyone told me mattered, every time I put that in, it was like none of these guys were good or like they had one good season. So finally I like built my own process on it and looked at things that I like did correlation on them and, you know, the correlation of whatever and and this matters. And then I like started slamming them together and then just started looking at like, you know, what's the point where we just erase the prospect profile? And when, when, when I ended up with – for Terry McLaurin is like yeah. remarkable because it's hilarious. So <laughs> as it stands, wait, do I have it on here? Okay, I do. So it's Percy Harvin, Dwayne Bolt. Those are the two guys that comp to Terry McLaurin after his rookie year. But then if we just erase the profile and we look at like day three, undrafted, whatever, everything, every one of those guys hits a lot. <laughs> so it was like, okay, actually, you know what? Terry McLaurin's rookie year was so good. That it didn't matter what he did in college anymore. That isn't the case with all the players that that have good rookie years. Like Chase Claypool, his doesn't look like this, for instance. But when I just erase everything and just look at uh, really bad prospects, like day three guys, whatever, it's Percy Harvin, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, sixth round pick Antonio Brown. <laughs> You may remember him. He's been pretty good the last you know, decade him, or so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marquis Colson, the friggin' tight end, converted wide receiver, who was, I believe, was he undrafted or was he a seventh-round pick? Seventh-round pick. Dwayne Bow, Tyreek Hill, the converted running back, turned wide receiver. Uh, Doug Baldwin, undrafted. Steve Smith <laughs> out of USC, who was, who was not a very good prospect. And Stefan Diggs, who was a fifth-round pick. All these guys comp favorably or comp the same – to Terry McLaurin, and it was like, holy sh- wow. Like, <laughs> I wish I would have known this in 2020 when I was saying to fade Terry McLaurin because that was an epic mistake. But, you know, like we learn, we, we get better, and, and now we know. So, uh, yeah, the other guy on the list, the one guy I didn't mention because he didn't hit was Andrew Hawkins. He was a little tiny guy out of uh, – I think he was played with the Browns. I think he was like 5'7 or something like that. So, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, know <laughs> he's the one guy on the list that didn't hit. And that's a long list of guys that never should have had a chance. So, Terry McLaurin's really good at football. Curtis Samuel's list looks nothing like this for the record. <laughs> His isn't good because he barely played. Like, he, he, I forget what he had. He had some kind of injury. He only played a couple games. Uh, so, he, like, his outlook was super grim. 
but since then, he his his reception perception has been lights out, and I think we just got to bet that he's a good football player at this point. But Terry McLaurin is like a slam dunk, so I don't think that Samuel is going to come in and take McLaurin's lunch. Could be closer than I think. Like I, I currently have them pegged for about 25%, 21 22% target share. Maybe it's 23 to 22 Maybe it's 50-50. They're both at like 22 and a half. Maybe they're both at 25%. Maybe Samuel's better than I think he is. That's possible. He had 20% last year with – DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the team. So there's no like there's gonna be enough for two 25% guys. It happens all the time. Julio and AJ Brown are both gonna be 25% guys. Maybe Samuel is that good. Maybe he gets a 25% share and Terry McLaurin does. And we're talking about two high-end wide receiver twos. Could happen. It's totally possible. Fingers crossed, indeed. I think I'll just play there with a the Terry McLaurin tape, but um it, it's great to hear that obviously you're massive on Curtis Samuel's uh been taking a lot of places but uh, a guy i've not been taking a lot of places well nowhere is your long shot player that you're selling <laughs> <laughs> okay so the long shot sell is jordan love of the green bay packers the worst draft pick in the history of the nfl <laughs> he was not a good prospect they traded up for him when they already had aaron Rodgers. we don't need to get into all this but I just need to be on the record saying that it is the worst draft pick in the history of the NFL. The A.J. Dillon pick was better than the Jordan Love pick. Agreed. Anyways, so here's what we need to know about (laughs) – I I don't give any first-round quarterback a bus grade. I should preface by saying that. I do not give any first-round quarterback a bus grade because they all have a reasonable chance of hitting, and I have no way of telling you which one is the one that isn't going to hit. They all have about a 25% chance at minimum. I have bulletproof guys that are like 75. Honestly, the bulletproof quarterbacks are like almost 80% plus. Uh, and then I have coin flips, which are about 50%. And then I have long shots. The long shots are basically really, really bad prospects. They got drafted kind of late, like last half of the first round. So well before Jordan Love got drafted. Here are Here's the whole list. You ready? Josh Freeman, Tim Tebow. These are the two guys that hit wide receiver one or uh, tight uh, quarterback one numbers. Two guys on the whole list. Then we got Joe Flacco, Jason Campbell, Rex Grossman, Johnny Manziel, Paxton Lynch, Brady Quinn, EJ Manuel, Mac Jones. He's not a long shot. He's a coin flip, but still. Dwayne Haskins, who was a coin flip, didn't look good. Not looking good for Dwayne Haskins, truthers. Then we got Jordan Love, Brandon Whedon, J.P. Lossman, and Kyle Bowler. Ain't none of these guys you wanted on your team. Not one of them were you happy with. Even Tim Tebow and Josh Freeman, you were not happy drafting those guys. Do not draft Jordan Love. He has no hope. He was a terrible prospect who got drafted at the end of the first round. He's still behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. If that Hall of Fame quarterback decides, yeah, you know what, I still want to play, he's going to play as long as he wants. Jordan Love ain't seen the field. Jordan Love is only hope is that Aaron Rodgers is so pig-headed and stubborn that he forces his way out of town. That's the only chance Jordan Love has of seeing the field at any point in his career. And I'm not sure it's going to happen. Like, I think there's probably a point where Aaron Rodgers just says, you know what, give me my way and I'll come back and they'll give him his way and he'll come back. That's what I'm betting on. If that doesn't happen in Jordan or Aaron Rodgers, who I think is also pretty stubborn and quite set in his ways and is going to do whatever the hell he wants to do. If he wants to get traded, he'll sit out and get traded or whatever he needs to do. If Jordan Love gets onto the field, I am trading him the second anybody offers me anything for him. I don't care what it is. If it's a second round pick, I will take it. If it's a first round pick, I'm running to the bank. I'll call the cops on myself because that is theft. I don't want Jordan Love. 
Um, <laughs> again, agreeing with you, Jim, uh, Drew. Um, yeah, the, the hype is continually uh, starting to starting to creep up with with the news. Obviously, that that Rogers has not turned up for for OTAs. Um, but, but but when you hear anything coming out about about love from from OTAs or training camps, it tends to be it tends to be negative news, really. And it's it's more any any kind of hype is getting is because there's positive news in regards to to Rogers potentially not playing for for Green Bay. Um, so we had a, another guy that, that basically exactly what you've just said. Um, if the, if he does get that shot, um, whether that be that, that Rogers decides he wants to sit out or forces that trade, the, the moment he takes it, a snap in the NFL, I'm just I'm just like you. I'm looking to move him for for whatever I can get him. Um, I think if 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 his value does continue to grow with all the hype that's coming out even then i'm still probably looking to to trade him if, if there's a rogers owner that's that's starting to panic and, and wants love you can have him i mean whatever if you want to give me a second to, to take his back up i think that's 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 great value so yeah a, a guy that i'm definitely looking to sell but i have him nowhere so i'll not be selling him <laughs> <laughs> i'm definitely above this pick as well i've not got any jordan love shares either i'm, I'm not a believer in him i wasn't when he came out um I was just shocked that they took him in the first. I think we all were shocked they took quarterback in the first round. The, the last couple of years, you're thinking you've got to give Aaron Rodgers an, another weapon. They're that close to to making it to the Super Bowl. Just give him another weapon, and you and you'll probably get there. But but they didn't. So the saga go, continues, um, <clears throat> and the longer it goes on, I think Jordan Love's value is only going to creep up even more. Um, he's come out and said this week that his. He's ready to start week one if needed, which is quite laughable. Um, but I'm, I'm not having any of it and I don't want any part of it. Um, so just a, a question back to you, Drew. Are you looking, if you do have any shares of Jordan Love, would you be looking to sell him now or would you try and hold your nerve and, and keep him until the season, potentially if he is the week one starter because you'll get more you know, in season? Uh, that, that totally depends on my team. If I am a uh, rebuilder, I'm just taking the value because I don't want it to blow up in my face. If I'm rebuilding, I just want to accrue value as much as I can. And like I just looked uh, on keep trade cuts, the difference between like a Jordan Love and Elijah Moore isn't all that much. It's like a early third round pick. So if I can move a third round pick and Jordan Love and get into an Elijah Moore, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, that's the kind of move I'm probably looking to make with a with a Jordan Love like packaging him up to go up and get something a little better uh if i'm re or if i'm a contender and my team is stacked and i don't really need a second round pick or or an elijah moore because i just have four wide receiver ones on my squad <laughs> and elijah moore is never going to see the field anyway then yeah i'll hold on to jordan love and and you know take i'd be comfortable missing out on that for the opportunity to get like a mid first or even a future like if i get a 2023 first that would be beautiful in my eyes uh, another good option might be to take Jordan Love and a, you know, a second round pick in say 2022 and move it for 2023 first. I'd be, yeah. I'd be really into a move like that if I could get it done. I don't, I'm not sure if that's realistic or not, but no, I love it. Just another, a quick one is this: this week I've received two offers, both packages, and they've both had Jordan Love on on the package, and I'm just like, I don't want it. I guess people are thinking, <laughs> I'd rather is not it, have him. Is <laughs> in the news, and maybe they think that I, I might want him, but. It's just funny how he's suddenly creeping up in in trade packages. It's funny. Uh, I forget who said it, but they're like, "Oh yeah, the, the like positive news out of training camp isn't even like that positive." They they did have one really positive blurb that I saw, but everything else has been like, 
No, seriously, he's not that bad. <laughs> and then showing videos of not being able to, to hit nets when, when throwing the ball. <laughs> oh, he made one good throw this practice. Oh, God. So, so sad to be a Packers fan. No, I'm, I'm totally on board as well. I agree with selling Jordan Love. And it's funny that he said he's ready if uh, if needed in week one. Also, Packers, I'm ready in week one if, if you need anyone. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty decent, not really. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was such a shocking draft pick. Um, I guess the only pause I've got is when to sell him, if you think his value can go up in the future. But you got me thinking, Drew, about what if Aaron Rodgers stays around and John Love gets the end of his rookie deal? Will another NFL team give him a chance to be a starting QB? Because obviously it was a shocking pick to take him round one. It got me thinking, oh, yeah. could it be the first uh, round one QB ever not to make a start in the NFL? So, um, <laughs> really interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think, I think he's a bust, and um, it brings us nicely on to uh, the next pick, uh, veteran bust. Are you looking to sell? And this one's a bit of a shocker to us, but we, we're all we're all here. As well. What you've got to say about this one, Drew? All right, so you guys didn't like this. I was reading your comments. <laughs> no. Oh, I guess we're, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. <laughs> so I'm selling Deontay Johnson. That's the guy that I want to sell. And the reason I want to sell Deontay Johnson is because I don't know if he's the best wide receiver on the team. And like Chase Claypool, I don't know if he's the best wide receiver on the team. And Juju Smith Schuster, I don't know if he's the best wide receiver on the team. None of these guys might be the best wide receiver on the team. Like they might just be. All three totally equal. I don't know. And that's so he's, where my he's James Washington. James Washington's the guy we need. <laughs> Maybe it's James Washington. Who knows? But that's where the hesitation comes from. And with this kind of situation where I can just uh like it's not like Deontay Johnson is not valued. Like you can get something shiny for him. This isn't a, a this is similar to AJ Brown. Like I don't think Deontay Johnson is a terrible football player. I don't think he's great like AJ Brown by any means, but I don't think he's a bad football player. I just don't know what to expect. Uh, AJ Brown, I know what to expect, and it isn't what he's being valued at. Deontay Johnson could be awesome. He could be terrible. I don't know yet. And when I don't know, I just pivot. It's it's a philo philosophical uh, decision. It's not a – I'm not like – how do I put this? I'm not taking a stand saying Deontay Johnson is bad and don't draft him. I'm not taking a stand and say Deontay Johnson is good, draft him. I'm just like, you know what? I don't know. This is kind of like what I was with, with Terry McLaurin after his rookie year. I'm like, I don't know. We don't have the data points that tell us what he is yet. There's a lot of really good data points on Deontay Johnson. There's some really not good data points on Deontay Johnson. I don't know. So if I can just take him and pivot into something else, I would love to do that. Like how much does it cost for me to go from Deontay Johnson to Brandon Ayuk, who I know based on my sophomore comps is a phenomenal player. What do I need to pay to do that? It's just a pivot for me. It's not... Again, not. I think Deontay Johnson's terrible. Get rid of him. It's I don't know what he is. So I want something that I do know what it is. And I think I can get into uh, Brandon Ayuk pretty easily. Uh, last I checked, they were about the same ADP. I think Deontay was a little bit higher, actually. And where with I where I have Brandon Ayuk, it makes total sense for me to just say, hey, you know what? I'll take a little loss on Deontay if you give me Ayuk. I'd be happy with it. I'd move on. I would never think twice about it. I don't think Deontay Johnson is ever going to be a superstar wide receiver in the NFL. I think he could be a very good wide receiver. I think he could have that wide receiver too, uh, perennial upside kind of thing. But then we also have to think about well, what happens when Ben Roethlisberger leaves because he's not going to play forever. He wasn't very good last year. 
So we saw what they did with Duck Hodgins and Mason Rudolph, and that wasn't good for anyone. So what if that is the future? So now we have this uncertainty. I don't know if he's a good player. I don't know if his situation is good. And, and like they changed the offense completely when it wasn't Roethlisberger. They went from, I believe, I think they, I just saw somebody did a thread on it the other day. Alex Caruso, I think it was. Sharp dude, by the way. He's only got like 200 followers. Give him a follow. He did a thread on it. It kind of made me think about it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe Deontay is the guy. His, his thread was pumping up Deontay as the next big thing. But he looked at, well, what did they do with Ben Roethlisberger? And I believe they haven't passed less than 36 times per game since like 2013 with Ben. And I'm like, yeah. But what did they do the one time they didn't have Ben? They passed like 30 times a game. That is a huge drop. If I have Juju and I have... Uh, Deontay and I have Chase Claypool and they all, like, let's say Juju resigns because he just did this year and we didn't think he would. What if that happens? Then we have a low volume offense with three good wide receivers that none of them are going to be very good for fantasy. So just get out. That's, that's my stance. <laughs> just get out, move on to something where you have more faith in both the player and the situation. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> I must admit when I saw this on the show sheet, I was thinking, is that is that a mistake? Did he really mean to put Deontay Johnson in the bus category? <laughs> but no, your argument is is totally understandable. Um, I I don't like the what the Steelers wide receiver situation at all. I, I was really hoping that Juju was was going to leave town and sign somewhere else, but he, but he didn't, and it's just become completely murky. Um, the, the trouble is, you could probably still sell him to me, and it, this would be perfect because I would definitely overpay for someone like. Deontay, so I'd give you plenty for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just looking at, I, no, I've got lots of shares of him, um, and just looking at the stats last year, he's he saw a huge amount of targets. He saw 144 targets, which was there was only seven guys in the NFL that saw more. Um, and he improved on his first season, finishing as wide receiver 21. He was the wide receiver 41 in in his rookie year. Um, but the but the biggest thing it, for me is that quarterback situation. Um, uh, the Steelers, their, their defense is so good that they're never going to get a top 12, 15 pick. They're always going to be picking towards the back of the in the NFL draft. So they're not in that quarterback range. So it's really murky to find out is this going to be Big Ben's last year? And if it is, who, who's going to be the quarterback of the future? I'm just hoping it's going to be someone like a Jameis Winston who can support plenty of wide receivers. Um, but it's just the unknown. So I can I completely get that. You want to get out and, and pick a guy who you know what's going to happen. Um, my, my only hope is that Juju leaves um, in 2022 and then the quarterback position comes clear, whether it's Big Ben for one final year or it's someone like a, a Jameis Winston on a on a trade or a, a free agent pickup. What if it's yeah. Dwayne Haskins? <laughs> oh, no. Well, Every let's not chance. go down that road. He's on the team. Or he was, <laughs> anyway. I think yeah, he's still yeah. on the team. He is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be honest, Drew, this this was the part of the show I wasn't looking forward to, obviously, getting yourself on, on this show. And then I've got to sit here and tell you that you're wrong with this selection. But <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have to give it a go because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Johnson. Um, I, can, I can fully understand why people are fading him. Obviously, Juju returning. Uh, also, the selection of Najee Harris, which which we've not really spoke about, taking him in the first round, that, that gives you that indication that they may start now to, to look back to, to lean on the run game a little bit more. Um, and then we've just mentioned, obviously, that the quarterback situation, it's, it's a little bit like we just mentioned earlier, the Steelers are always going to be one of those teams that, that they're never going to get that early pick. So they're never really going to be in that position to get one of the high-end quarterbacks. So I do understand the concerns, but 
I just think with that that impressive 2020 season, obviously we know he had a, a couple of injuries during last season, uh, still finished as a wide receiver 21, finished 16 targets amongst wide receivers, um, just under 1,000 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. I personally, I still think he's the wide receiver to own in Pittsburgh. Um, ADP of wide receiver 25, and I think he can outperform that. Um, so, so that's why I'm I'm still targeting in Johnson and and sorry, Drew, but you're wrong with this selection. Let <laughs> well, me ask um, you this then. <laughs> oh, no, this is why I didn't want. To, this is why I didn't want to go against you. <laughs> Do you think that Chase Claypool is a bad player? I don't like Chase Claypool. No. Okay. See, the, the difference here is I don't love Deontay. If I love Deontay Johnson, I would say you know what? At his yeah. price, we know he's good. And I'm comfortable taking the risk of whatever happens in the future because at least at the end of the day, I'm left with a good player. I don't feel that way about Deontay Johnson. I feel that way about like Brandon Ayuk or like yeah. uh, T. Higgins or, you know, guys like that. Deontay Johnson doesn't give me that feeling. So maybe I'm just wrong about Deontay being, <laughs> you know, like if, if Deontay Johnson is great, then I don't care what the quarterback is next year. It's going to be fine. I don't care if Ben Roethlisberger only checks down this year. It's still going to be fine because Deontay Johnson is a great player. But if Deontay Johnson isn't a great player, which I'm not convinced he is, I think his best comp on my software comps was like uh, the Oakland guy. I can't think of his name now. Not Amari Cooper, the other one. Crabtree. Michael Crabtree was like the best case outcome who had three wide receiver two seasons in his entire career. And I'm like, well, if that's Deontay Johnson and I could just flip him for somebody like Brandon Ayuk who's getting, you know, all of his comps are Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, A.J. Brown. Yeah, I'm just going to do that because I got a lot more faith in that player. Yeah. Again, it, it, though, I understand if you love Deontay Johnson, if you think Deontay Johnson is Keenan Allen and AJ Brown and <laughs> oh, well. Mike Evans, then yeah, you should buy Deontay Johnson. I just don't. That's where the that's where the the disconnect comes for, from between the two of us. I think I'm not I'm not sure I go that far as as putting him along those guys, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you a question. Who would you prefer out of these three wide receivers? But it's quite clear you're not that high on, on any of them, really. On, on the three Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh wide receivers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea which one to pick. Yeah. Uh, I think Juju was the best prospect. He had the best uh, sophomore comps. But, like, he's had two years of not great since then. Yeah. Hmm. And Deontay, like, was clearly the best wide receiver last year. No, I have no argument with that. Deontay was fantastic last year. He, he, I, he uh, how many games did he leave early? Two or three, and then he also got benched for like half a game for drops. Yeah. Like yeah. he had a lot of weird things going on, and he was still a massive target hog. But if I recall correctly, his um, average depth of target was quite low. Mm -hmm. And I've seen people say, I don't know if this is true, but I've seen people say that's because the running game didn't exist, mm -hmm. so they just sat back and took away the deep pass and said, "Beat us with." short vault or like short passes that was Deontay's role so then I'm like well now if they have Najee Harris and everybody tells me Najee Harris is good I don't think he's that good but maybe he is could be wrong it's happened before if Najee Harris is good and they run more and now they can take deep shots now I'm thinking well Chase Claypool's the guy to own <laughs> there's just like so many things here that I just I don't I, I just fade uncertainty is really what it comes down to yeah yeah that's mm -hmm. my 100% philosophy I, if I don't know I don't want it so if you know that Deontay Johnson is good you should draft him <laughs> Well, I don't know, but I am drafting him. <laughs> <laughs> Taking that risk. <laughs> no, this was, this was such an interesting selection, Drew. Very spicy. Uh, we're all big fans of Deontay, but I do kind of get it. Like the volume, 144 targets in 15 games, but actually it was 12 games really because he had the two games he was out early, the one where he was benched, another one where he, he only played half a game. So... Uh, you've also got the QB situation. I just think, imagine if Juju stays and Askins is the QB, 
you just want to throw up in your hands, don't you, and clap. So um, <laughs> I think if, if Juju does go, it's going to be it's going to be stonks for all three wide receivers. Um, you do get the so concerns. One other thing really I mention here is that this it's one. really, so, um, really. <laughs> we'll swiftly move on before I start crying. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, one other thing I want to mention on Deontay is because you guys pigeonholed me into picking a bus cell, <laughs> there aren't very many of them. Most of them are out of the league by this point. So it's you're, like not, you're not getting out of it, Drew. You're not getting out of it. Most of them are gone. <laughs> so it's hard to find one. I had to pick Deontay because I do have him as a cell for the reasons I laid out. Yeah, But I would have preferred to have picked somebody that was a more obvious cell like some of the other ones like Jordan Love. But hmm. uh, to be like, oh, yeah, you need to sell, I don't know, player X that's terrible in this room like just you need to sell michael carter because he's a day three rookie <laughs> uh, yes. like, no it's not very interesting i had to give you something yes. that was interesting. You, you picked the wrong show to say no i'm i'm a huge michael carter fan so you picked oh, the wrong show to say that on? we were bombing so hard off the start we're like oh brandon are you elijah Moore, let's go and now you're like i like all the bad players come on man uh, I'll, re I'll remember this. <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't say sell any Buccaneers players, so I'm I'm happy. Uh, it's just me and Drew that are fighting it out now. <laughs> right then, we'll 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 go from uh, Michael Carter to rookie bus. So we'll stay on theme. Um, who's your rookie bus to avoid, Drew? Well, I don't know. Maybe I should pick Michael Carter now. No. He originally selected Amari <laughs> yeah. Rogers as my bus to sell. Yeah, we'll stick with that one. <laughs> so Amari Rogers is uh, an interesting player. Like I, I didn't hate him per se. Like I, I don't think that his bust label is necessarily fair. No, that's a lie. It is. He had a chance to do whatever he could do, and he didn't do it, and that's on him. Even this year, he wasn't that good, and he had nobody in that. Uh, wide receiver room in Clemson to compete with. So he should have been better than he was. His ADP, I think, climbed just too 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 far for me to really be into. I believe he was also a um like he's really weird size, right? Like he's 5'9, 212. He's he's a running back. So like are we drafting Debo Samuel again and hoping for two completed air yards per year? <laughs> like I don't know. And then and then the uncertainty of the offense like, ah, I don't know. He And he was a senior. We never talked about this with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore was a 21-year-old uh, early declarer. That's what we want. That's where we see the really high ceilings from the – or the really safe ceilings from these players. Amari Rogers wasn't that. He was a senior and a – what is he, a 22- or 23-year-old rookie? I can't recall off the top of my head. So he's old and he was a senior. His breakout age was 21. I can give him a little bit of a pass on that because he did play with T Higgins and uh, Justin Ross, who are both very, very good. So I'm not really hating him on his, on his uh, breakout age. I'm not, I'm not loving him on his breakout age either, but uh, I would have liked to see him do more. His athleticism is, is highly mediocre. He had a 5.37 Raz score. So it's not like we can be like, Oh, but he's going to just going to be dynamite after the catch. Cause he's such a freak athlete like Rondell Moore. He's not that. So, yeah, I don't know. And then we got, like, <laughs> his his rookie comps. So I do, I do rookie comps as well as sophomore comps. His rookie comps, I, I don't have any because he's such a weird <laughs> shape. Like, I got none. So I had to go to day three and undrafted guys. And we got, like, Wes Welker is, like, our best case scenario, which is probably never going to happen because Wes Kel Welker is an absolute unicorn. 
Yeah. And then we got this guy I've never even heard of, Sindrick Steptoe, a seventh-round pick, no idea, drafted in 2007. He was clearly terrible and awfully weird-sized. So, yeah, he got drafted by Green Bay, which is great if Aaron Rodgers sticks around. But I don't know that he's any better than the guys they already got. Like, Devin Funches is probably better than him. If, he, if we're talking about slot receivers, I'd rather see Devin Funches in the slot. If we're talking about he's going to play outside, then I'd rather have MVS or uh, – the guy that was actually kind of good there last year, Alan Lazard. Mm-hmm. So, like, what are we talking? And, and then, what if Aaron Rodgers does push his way out of the frigging team? And we got Jordan Love throwing to him. Like, <laughs> there's so much floor here. Like, the floor is is it, like the fuck. It's not. It, he doesn't have one. There's no floor. He is out of the league in three years easily if things don't go well. So. And he's got a weird role. Like, there's just nothing to buy into here. There's no precedence. That's really what I'm trying to say. We have we have never seen an Amari Rodgers coming to the NFL and be good. So why would it start now? I don't know. I'm not buying in. Yeah, no, I like it, Drew. We're getting back on track and, and becoming friends again because <laughs> because I agree with this one. People seem to to be getting excited about Rodgers just because of that that landing spot and the potential opportunity. But but like yourself, I'm I'm not a big fan at all. We know Devontae Adams; he's going to be the focal point of this passing offense. And there's Aaron Jones as well. I think he's going to be utilized a lot more in the passing game. Obviously, we know that Jamal Williams has moved on, so I expect Jones to start seeing a, a few more targets as well. Um, and then Rodgers is getting this buzz because he's taking advantage of the fact that that none of the top five wide receivers for Green Bay are showing up to OTAs. So that is why he's getting that little bit of buzz because he's basically the only wide receiver out there on the field at the minute. Um, I think the best case scenario, and this is absolute best case scenario, is that he's the, he's the third option on this offense. Um, and then, like you just mentioned, we're going to be talking about the fact this could be the third best option on a, on a Jordan Love-led offense. I mean... <laughs> I, I don't want that. I, I don't even want to, to be the, the first option. So the fact that he's going to be the third option on potentially a, a Jordan Love offense, I'm, I'm completely out on him. I think if you can get him late third in rookie drafts, yeah, maybe he's worth a shot in, in that area. You can then potentially flip him. He's just going to be one of those guys where if you've got him, you're just waiting for that little bit of buzz, that little opportunity where he's generating that hype and then and then I'm looking to move him on. Yeah, I think clearly if your name is A. Rogers, it seems like you've got issues in Green Bay at the minute. <laughs> I, I did actually, I did, I didn't mind the landing spot. I think it's probably the best spot he could have gone to, but that that's if if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Um, I do see a world where he can be productive, but we're not talking even wide receiver two numbers. Probably wide receiver three at best. Um, but I can see him. He was productive last season, playing mostly in the slot. Um, so he's looking at uh, the news this week. The, the OC Nathaniel Hackett has said that he's cooking up some big things for Amari Rogers, so so we'll wait and see. But there's probably just camp talk. Um, <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's the quarterback situation that's that's most concerning, and it is for all options on this team, for for Devonte Adams right through to the to Tunyon and all sorts. So uh, I don't think he's ever going to reach top end numbers. So I'm definitely looking to sell uh, if if the hype continues to grow, or even if he has a decent game in in season, then. I'm definitely looking to flip him. Um, so just a, a quick question back to you, Drew. Is there a point in your rookie drafts where you would be happy to take him or are you just fading Rogers altogether? Well, I mean, <clears throat> you always have to take him at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's definitely not someone I'm like, like typically I like maneuver around the draft board to try to get the guys that I like. He, he's not a priority target by any stretch. Like he's a guy that I, I'll take at ADP if there's no one else that I like. Uh, what do I have him ranked? I have him ranked at 23 in Superflex, so not great. I'd rather have Pat Fryermuth than mm-hmm. 
uh, Amari Rogers, which is probably not saying a lot. I'm just trying to think of like what I would look to trade him for if I owned him. I I want to get somebody. You know, I'm, I'm Amari Rogers is probably not going to be anything. That's like yeah. point A, right? So if mm-hmm. I'm going to trade somebody who's probably not going to be anything, I'm going to go for somebody that might be something really special. And if I, I never buy low, but if I was going to trade Amari Rodgers and I could get nothing for him because everybody knew that he sucks because he does, then <laughs> like, give me like a Brian Edwards. Can I get a Brian Edwards for Amari Rodgers? Like Brian Edwards is probably terrible at this point. I am in no way advocating go out and trading for Brian Edwards, hoping for the best because he's a face he's rookie year face planner. Like he lost a ton of value. He had a terrible rookie year. I love them as a prospect, but that, that's gone now. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have to adjust. He, was, he showed us what he is in the NFL, and it wasn't appealing. But there is still an element of his prospect profile that we're like, oh, you know, like he is the big uh, outside receiver, 6'2", 215, or whatever he was. You know, he he has a wide receiver one profile. So if Amari Rodgers is probably going to be nothing, and he's probably going to be a wide receiver two or three at best, and Brian Edwards is probably going to be nothing, but he could be a wide receiver one, then give me Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards is basically free at this point, I think. So, I, like, again, I'm not, like, advocating go and get Brian Edwards because I think he's probably terrible. But if I have to make a move off of Mario Rodgers, I think Brian Edwards would be a solid, solid target. Uh, if I could get a future second, like, I'd be into it. I don't care what year, 2025, give it to me because it's going to have more value than Mario Rodgers at this point next year. So I'll take it. Yeah, it's a bang-on selection, this, Drew. Um I, I was actually the lowest out of us three uh, on Amari Rogers, my rookie wide receiver, 17. So little gold star for me on that one. Um, but, yeah, just unsure on this offense outside of Adams and Adam Jones. Um, it's been a really funny wide receiver philosophy for the Packers as well, the fact that they didn't take a wide receiver in, in last year's class, which was littered with talent, and then they leave it till round three this year and take Amari Rogers. So just really, really puzzling. I've got zero, zero shares, so... Uh, we can all be friends on this one, which is great. So um, we'll now come on to the uh, wildcard selection from yourself, Drew. Um, this is where we get our guests to pick out one player they believe will be their fantasy wildcard, which is a player that will improve their dynasty value the most in 2021. So, Drew, who's your fantasy wildcard selection? I want Baker Mayfield. Um, I think... I picked Baker Mayfield because I didn't think that that would be a very common choice. (laughs) Uh, And I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. So Baker Mayfield is like coming into the NFL. He was one of the best quarterback (laughs) prospects we've ever seen. Hands down. One of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. He stepped foot on the NFL field. He had, what's the terrible coach's name? Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson, one of the worst coaches we've ever seen as his coach. He set records with that offense. With that coach, Jarvis Landry was the wide receiver one. I don't even remember who the wide receiver two was, and this guy was setting records. That's special. Then we go into his sophomore year, and it is an absolute train wreck. Everything like like a massive train wreck, like the longest train you could imagine wrecking <laughs> side of the road. That is Baker Mayfield's second year. There was no hope at that point other than just blind faith in his first two years, right? Like, like kind of a sophomore comps thing, right? After his rookie year, we have best quarterback prospect of all time. We have best rookie season, basically, of all time. What do we expect to revert to? The past five years of data or the most recent one? I bet on the past five years of data. And it it worked out. Baker Mayfield was solid last year. He wasn't great. He was solid. The thing about Baker Mayfield is, and this is a super flex take, by the way. This is not a Mm -hmm. one QB league. I do not want Baker Mayfield in a one QB league. His ceiling isn't high (laughs) enough. 
it will never be high enough because he doesn't have a rushing uh, like a rushing element to him. He's he's basically a pocket passer, right? Mm-hmm. So Baker Mayfield last year with Kevin Stefanski and in their first year together, Baker Mayfield I think finished at like wide or quarterback twenty four somewhere thereabouts. He wasn't very good, but what we have to take into consideration is what happened in the season. They had three bad weather games where they basically didn't have any points. Like he had like five points or less in those games. And you knew not to start him coming into those games. So it's not like he lost you the week. If you were at all paying attention, everybody on Twitter was like, don't start your Browns this week because look at the weather. It's a freaking hurricane. So we don't lose anything on that kind of thing. A couple of his other games were pretty predictably bad. Like he played the Ravens in, early in the season. I remember it was week two or so, and he was terrible, which was, you know, we should have expected that. So we shouldn't have been starting him. But the point is, once things got rolling, Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt, and things got better. I don't really know why. I don't know if Odell is like a cancer to the, to the <laughs> locker room, if if Baker just needs to be the guy. Like, that's kind of my feeling of it, mm-hmm. is Baker was viewed as the franchise savior. He came in to save the franchise. He played really well. They brought in Odell Beckham Jr., who was the new franchise savior, and it was Baker's job to support him. And I feel like I, like this is totally psychological and, and in no way analytical and way off base for me. So please disregard <laughs> what I'm about to say. But I feel like it's like a psychological hurdle for Baker Mayfield not being the guy. Could be totally wrong. Maybe it's just happy accident. Maybe it's variance. Who knows? Point is, he's been terrible with Odell Beckham Jr. And he was awesome after Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt. And again, this is with Jarvis Landry being the best wide receiver on the team who is like a good wide receiver, but he's, he's no Odell Beckham Jr., that's for sure. And, and guys you've never heard of. like I, There was that one game where the whole wide receiver core got COVID, <laughs> and they had guys I had ne- literally never heard of. Yeah. And I spent like countless hours scouring <laughs> depth charts. I had never heard of these guys. And Baker Mayfield did nothing in that game because, of course, he did. He didn't have NFL wide receivers. I think he was against the Jets, who – you know, the Jets actually had a pretty good defense. Not, not, well, let's back up. They didn't have a pretty good defense. They had an okay defense. They were yeah. fine. So it wasn't like it was the worst defense in the world, which is what you would expect when you play a team like the Jets, who were like the worst team in the world. The defense was actually okay. Anyways, we get through and look at things that Baker Mayfield, that says that Baker Mayfield may or may not be good at football. And we have things like his um, player profiler tracks this. And I, I really like it because it, indicates the quality of the throws or how many times they're throwing high quality throws. They call it money throws. Hmm. And they're like, I forget the definition off the top of my head, but it's basically throws that take a high degree of um, skill to make, which, you know, is a difficult throw here. I got it right here. A completed pass requiring exceptional skill or athleticism as well as critical completions and clutch moments during the game. Baker Mayfield has been like top of the league the last two years in this stat from on a per throw basis. And that's including 2019 during the epic train wreck. He was still exhibiting an extremely high per throw basis. It was just the mistakes were there in 2019. They weren't there in 2020. Now we need volume. And on the horizon with this uh, Cleveland Browns team, if you look at his, or you look at like their splits between the beginning of the year and the end of the year, after their hurricane games, the last like six, seven, eight, nine games of the year, I forget exactly how many there were. They were a upper tier pass volume offense. When you look at um, like, not adjusting, but like, uh, yeah, I guess adjusting for 
uh, game script and down and distance. So when you take third, third and long out of the equation and you take catch up mode out of the equation, they were an upper tier uh, pass offense for volume, which is what we want, right? This is an, this is a team that basically turned the reins over to an analytics department. And if we know anything about analytics, we know what they like to pass. I actually thought there was a chat that this is what we were going to see the whole year because I was like, there's no way that they hire Kevin Stefanski and be like, yeah, no, run the ball like you did in Minnesota. It's good. That's what we like. We're analytics. Like They're not going to hire a guy that's going to do that. And that's what they started with. But once Odell got hurt, and Chubb got hurt as well, right? When Chubb came back, they still passed at a really high rate to end the season. Like Maybe that's a sign of things to come. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? The point is we still have probably a very safe floor from Baker Mayfield because we know he's good at football. And then we have this indication that they might pass more. And then we have his value where he's valued like they're not going to pass more. This is the antithesis antithesis or whatever you call it of AJ Brown where he's priced at his floor. Like we, we know that he is good. We know that his situation sucks, but we at least have hope that it could change with AJ Brown. We're looking at him and saying he's good. He is not being priced like his situation sucks. And it does. We need his situation to change for this to pay off. Baker Mayfield, if his situation changes, he's immediately like a top six quarterback in dynasty, which is really valuable. The problem with Baker Mayfield is he doesn't have a super high ceiling. So even if he is a top six quarterback in dynasty, it's going to be because he has a safe floor. He's going to be a quarterback eight to 12 kind of thing year over year over year, but he's 24 years old and he's going to be that for the next decade. That's where the value comes from. So anyway, that's, that's where I'm at with Baker Mayfield. We have a very good player. We have a situation that gave indication that it might change and that isn't being factored into his price. If that does change, we're talking. And, and even if it doesn't, honestly, if you take out the w- poor weather games, Baker Mayfield was like quarterback 12 in fantasy football last year. He wasn't terrible. Yeah. So if you take out the bad weather games where you would have started him, you could have plugged him in every week. He had quarterback 12. So now we're saying if, if nothing changes, if they do the exact same thing they did last year, we're still probably looking at a quarterback 12. If they increase that pass volume, like I think they might, like the organizational philosophy should tell us that they will, like their past tendencies change throughout the year to indicate that maybe they will. If they get into an upper half, they don't have to be top of the league. They get into upper half. We're talking about a top eight quarterback and a 24-year-old top eight quarterback in Dynasty with the hype the Baker Mayfield will carry because of his prospect profile and his rookie year, that all the hate from 2019 will be gone if he does it. So we're looking at a guy that could be a top six quarterback, which would be a pretty sizable uh, jump in dynasty value in a super flex league. Again, this is a super flex take and one QB. I don't want him because he's not going to be a top five quarterback at any point in a season. So that's like, or, or like that's his ceiling. Like he's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like Patrick Mahomes still gets three, three points a game on the ground. He's not Kyler Murray where he's getting a whole bunch of points on the ground. He's not Lamar Jackson, but he's getting three and Baker Mayfield's getting like one. So two points per game is a pretty big points per game across an entire season. That's where I'm at with Baker. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I loved when I, when I saw it on the show sheet because he's he's our very first quarterback wildcard selection. With so far, we've had five wide receivers, a running back, and a tight end. So we've added we've added quarterback to to the list now. Um, but yeah, sitting at the the ADP of quarterback eighteen, I think he's. Is the last safe quarterback that I'm happy to take in in startup drafts as my, as my QB two. Um, if if he's my quarterback two, then I'm I'm really happy with that. And like you said, if you take out the free the free horrendous weather games, then he's he finished as a as a back end QB one. Um, so yeah, and then looking at the 
his stats when he to finish the season, if you take out them weather games, he finished with a, with a touchdown interception ratio of sixteen to two, which is obviously elite standard. Um, so yeah, he's he's trending upwards and he's got that job security, I think, on the Browns and, and the Browns as a whole are a team that are definitely trending upwards. Made the playoffs for the first time in ages last season, and they're looking really good to possibly win that division this this season. So, just a quick question back to you, Drew. What do you think the ceiling can be for for Baker Mayfield this year in 2021? I think his ceiling would be about a quarterback six. Like I don't think he's ever going to get into that high end uh, quarterback just because he doesn't have the rushing upside that, like, mm-hmm. like honestly, Tom Brady was like quarterback eight and he had like 40, 40 touchdowns <laughs> and four thousand yards or somewhere thereabouts. <laughs> Like, I, I think that's Baker Mayfield's ceiling, like absolute ceiling. So in, in a, maybe a different year, he would have been quarterback six with that kind of uh, production. There's just so many Konami code quarterbacks now that you can't be an elite quarterback without some element of Konami code ability. Uh, like I said, Baker May- or uh, Patrick Mahomes, even like he gets like three points per game uh, from off the, on the ground. So if Baker isn't going to get that, he's never going to get into that elite tier, no matter how good he is as a passer which I don't even think I mentioned his PFF grade the last half of the year was like number two or three in the NFL. Like it was super Whoa. high, mm-hmm. super high. And PFF grades are very, very good at telling us who the good quarterbacks are uh, for, mm-hmm. for quarterback position. They're not as good at some of the other positions like running back. They're not great. They're okay. Uh, but at quarterback, they're, they're a really good metric to look at. So yeah, like I, I think his ceiling is probably quarterback six or so. If he has like a 35 touchdowns for 4,500 yards kind of thing. Uh, I think that's possible if they ramp up the volume to, uh, you know, you know, 10th overall kind of thing. I think that's possible because I think he's a very good passer and I think they have very good weapons. If Odell Beckham Jr. is healthy and, and doesn't ruin the team again. I don't like, I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think is going on with that situation? Cause like, no, he was like flip the switch. Like I just, even the game that Odell got hurt, his first couple yeah. passes in that game were really bad. And then he just like lit up. After that, it was crazy. I, I just think, think he. Uh, sorry, yeah, go on. on now. No, go on. Al. You, you, uh, you were going. I just think he's the sort of player that demands to to get the ball all the time. So I think Baker Mayfield feels like he needs to throw to Odell Beckham, even if he's not open. Whereas he can pass it about, and like I say he's the guy. When when Odell Beckham went down injured, then it was he was the guy on the on the offense. So I think he he showed his swag, and when when OBJ's back, you know he's the guy. So who demands the ball? So, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say the same thing. I think obviously Odell Beckham's such a big player. He, he he's arguably the, the face of that team at the minute. But as you say, Baker Mayfield. He, I mean, his breakout. He's just like eighteen, weren't it? So he's always been the guy in college, stepping into to, into the Brown situation and and taking a, a back seat behind Odell Beckham. Then when Beckham went down, he, he obviously knew that he had to be the man and, and step forward. And mm-hmm. and maybe that's why, like like you mentioned a little bit earlier, Drew, maybe that's why he, he took that step forward. But but yeah, just going back to to the selection, it I, I was a bit shocked by it when I first saw it, but but. Thinking about it a little bit more, and obviously hearing you you talking about him, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And um, the ADP of, of QB 18, um, so it is around that mid QB two range. Uh, we just mentioned the ceiling; it, it's probably capped in in a run heavy offense. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a rock solid quarterback to have. If in Superflex, if if you've got him as your QB two, you've taken one of the top guys. He's one of those ideal targets that you can get later on in your drafts as your QB two. 
Um, flashlight upside, we, we just mentioned it as well. It, it was actually the QB three from weeks twelve to weeks fifteen. So, so there's the, the there's the the glimmer of hope. We, we've seen it. He's done it. It's a small sample size, but if we can just get that extended a little bit more, then yeah, I agree with Drew. It can it can definitely step up from. I mean, quarterback eighteen. It, it can it can outperform that, and it can be a a low end QB one or at the very worst a high end um, QB two. You just mentioned that the NFL it seems to be transitioning to to these quarterbacks that can run the ball. So that is always going to limit the the chances ever got of being a, a top end quarterback. But yeah, I'm, I'm fully behind that. I think he can it can it can grow from this QB eighteen range. Um, I, I was going to throw a quick question back, but just hearing how much how much you like Baker Mayfield, I think I already know it. But um, it, they've obviously just. Um, taken the, the fifth year option in, in his contract. Do you think he's going to be the starter beyond 2022 for the Browns? Yeah, I, I think he's yeah. easily going to be the starter. I think he's, 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 you know, we always talk about these guys that are better for the NFL than they are for yeah, fantasy. Yeah. And I think that's Baker Mayfield. Like, I think yeah. he's yeah. probably an upper tier. Like, if I was ranking the best quarterbacks or franchise quarterbacks, like based on age and everything else, I'd probably have him in my top seven or eight right yeah. now. Like, if you drop him into, say, uh, Pittsburgh, like, I'm buying Deontay and I'm buying Claypool and I'm buying, I'm buying everyone. Right. Cause he's a good yeah. player and he's going to get a lot of volume, but in, in Cleveland, I think that mutes his, his upside. Like, you know, we're, we're hoping that they pass more. If they don't pass more, we're probably looking at back end quarterback one. He's basically Kirk cousins, but like six years younger or seven years yeah. younger or something like that. Mm -hmm. And if he ever finds his way into a Washington football team situation, like cousins had earlier in his career where he's getting a ton of volume, then we're talking about a perennial quarterback one candidate. And that could be Baker Mayfield pretty easily. I think Baker Mayfield's a lot better than I think Kirk Cousins is. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the the game changing kind of like ruins the Baker Mayfield thing. Like even, even when Baker Mayfield was coming out, there wasn't that many Konami cool quarterbacks. Like I thought he could be a quarter, top five quarterback every year because there was, there was like, you know, who was there? Was there any Konami cool quarterbacks that were like really, really good? No, I don't think there were any. Deshaun Watson maybe? Yeah. But that's pretty much it. But now we have like Josh Allen and we have Kyler Murray and we have Lamar Jackson and we have Patrick Mahomes and we have like all these, like, and some of those are varying degrees of Konami, right? Like Lamar Jackson is a lot more Konami than Patrick Mahomes is. But like I said, Mahomes is still getting like three points a game off on the ground. Lamar is getting like, I don't know what, six, seven, eight. I don't even know what he gets on the ground for a game. It's a lot. But you start stacking all these guys and you're like, well, Baker can't beat these guys in fantasy points. Like mm -hmm. he, he just can't, he, he can't get there. And then you add in this year's class where we have Trey Lance and we have uh, Justin Fields. Like Baker can't get ahead of those guys if they're any good at football. So it just really pushes his his ceiling down. But his floor is still, you know, 4,000 4, passing yards, 35 touchdowns, year in, year out, quality back end quarterback one. And with guys like that as well, like Kirk Cousins, for instance, or Matt Stafford would be another good example. Ryan Tannehill uh, as well. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill, like guys like that, they they can still be really good fantasy quarterbacks in Superflex League because if you're playing Dynasty, you probably don't have two quarterbacks. You probably have three. Mm -hmm. So let's say that I have Baker Mayfield and I get Zach Wilson, the end of the you know like ninth pick in the rookie draft this year. Well, now I can take and play those guys into their matchups, and we know that quarterback streaming is a lot easier than any other position. That's why late-round quarterback works in one QB leagues. So if I can have a Baker Mayfield and a Zach Wilson as my QB two and three, and I already have, say, a Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes because I'm smart and I drafted those guys in 2017, 2018 when they were values, 
because I did. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, I'm sitting with my, my locked-in guy that I'm starting every week, and then I'm playing matchups with the other two, and I'm hitting their ceiling weeks, which are really high because you can usually predict, and this is like a huge part of DFS, right, is you can predict which quarterbacks are going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a given week. So if I know that Patrick Mahomes or uh, Baker Mayfield is going to throw for 303, and then I don't have to start him against the Ravens where he's maybe going to get 201, mm-hmm. then I've, I, my my ceiling on my floor both raise based on having two quarterbacks or three, uh, sorry, two fl- flexible quarterbacks, which you have anyway. So it's not a detriment to me to have, you know, I don't need Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes to feel good about my quarterback situation. I can have one of those guys. Lamar Jackson, something like that. And I'll take a Baker and I'll take a Kirk Cousins. And I'll score as much as any other team at quarterback in my entire league because I know how to play the matchups because I understand, you know, how late round quarterback philosophy works, which JJ Zacharyson, if you haven't read that book or followed his work, you need to because he's really smart. And it's a total game changer for even super flex leagues. Having the ability to know when to pivot from one quarterback to the other, it's, it's an absolute game changer. So... Even if Baker Mayfield doesn't reach the ceiling that I think he might, he's still wildly serviceable in super flex leagues. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, I really like this Baker selection. Um, to be honest, you've, you've won me over on it, Drew. Um, <laughs> when I first saw the name on the show sheet, I was ready to take my shades off and uh, get down to business. But um, I, I think you're right. It's... It's a really interesting situation, obviously, the 28th in pass volume in 2020 under Stefanski, but um, I just I just think like that's a bit of, a, of an outlier. We've not seen a, a true full season with the weather games, the COVID, OBJ getting injured. We don't actually know what the offence looks like, so um, I really like it. I think it's not my type of wildcard selection in the sense that <laughs> I personally don't see him making that massive jump, say, 10, 12 QB spots, but I think you're absolutely right in terms of prospect. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. I think he stays with the Browns. Um, that I can only see the situation getting better early, so I'm really happy to take him as a QB too. If you if you miss out early on a on a QB, so um, you, you've won me over, Drew. You've you've won me over on Mayfield. So thank you very much on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the end of. Uh, today's show uh we've had on drew he's, he's given us some great guys to target and fade or also give an insight into his model and his process when analyzing prospects plus his wildcard selection of Baker mayfield so drew do you want to remind the audience where they can find you in anything you'd like to plug before you leave us today sure so i'm on uh, i'm on twitter at df bean counter i run bulletproof fantasy football we have a YouTube channel. We have a uh, podcast and Patreon. Patreon has all the rankings and all of this kind of conversation going on on a daily basis in the Discord. I uh, usually seem to spend hours every evening working <laughs> on fantasy football. Uh, so there's lots of good stuff in there. And that's pretty much all the place. Oh, and then I got a rookie guide. Uh, I put up the rookie guide this year, the first time, first year I've ever done it. It was a real learning experience. Uh, it was pretty cool. I think uh, a lot of people got a lot of good feedback on it and didn't get any bad feedback, which I think was a good sign. May have also been a sign of who bought it. Maybe it was all the patrons. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Ale, have you got any final thoughts on the show before we, we wrap it up? Yeah, just no, I've really enjoyed having you on, Drew. 
I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of your model. Uh, I really enjoyed your thread you had last week with DJ Moore and AJ Brown and just open my eyes to a lot of things. I, I certainly need some more DJ Moore shares. That's for sure. Um, I just loved having you on. We, I could easily talk for hours with you and, and listen to you yeah. as well. So thanks for coming on. Uh, really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks yeah, for having me. It was good. I was, I was just going to say exactly the same thing. It, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we had a bit of a rough patch, didn't we, in the middle, Drew, but uh, I like to think that we've, come, we've come out of the other end as, as friends and, and uh, yeah, you, you've brought us some great takes. So it's, it's been brilliant having you on and I just want to thank you for giving us, giving us your time. Obviously, two hours in, like Ali, I could have gone for another two hours quite easily just just, just chatting to you and, and, and learning about your model and everything. So, yeah, I just want to say thanks again for, for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Um, I just want to say thank you for, for tuning in to everybody that's that's been watching. Um, if you if you want to subscribe to us, then check out his Twitter page at Fantasy Wildcard. <laughs> uh, we've also got his link tree site on there um, on his Twitter page where you can find all his podcasts and, and his shows on YouTube. So please do subscribe. Uh, be sure to tune in next week on Tuesday, the twenty second of June, uh, which will be our Dynasty rookie debate. So a bit like this show, we're going to have a few more few more disagreements, few more arguments. Um, but but luckily they, they don't have the knowledge that you have, Drew. So I should come out of that one, all right. <laughs> uh, so so thanks once again for everybody listening, and we'll see you again soon. See ya. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game. <laughs>